0: Revely, revely, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the 30th of January, 2023. What's up, jerk jobs? Hello, it's Morning Combat. How are you? Happy Monday to you. Let's get this week started, shall we? Hi, my name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos. I have, I am told my friend is here. I don't know. I can't quite see him, but uh, be that as it may, it's the king of Connecticut himself. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. Luke Thomas, how are you? Great to see you.
1: Uh, back uh, with a bang on a Monday morning, right? It's almost the first of the month, right? So shout out to 90s hip hop with that yep, one. Wake Luke, up, right? wake
0: up, cash your checks and get up.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm excited to be back on this award-winning show one week, one week before we get on a plane, Luke, and head over to London for some MK in the UK, okay? London calling the reverse British invasion is coming your way. I can't wait for that. So, you know, I'm fired up about life, uh, you know, love, happiness, all that good stuff, and maybe even combat sports as well,
0: you know? I'll find yes, for that. BC. Can you believe it? In a week from today, we're going to be getting on a on a jet plane. It's going to be BC's first time in Europe. Everyone, this is a big deal for you, man. I'm pretty yeah, pumped. I've never crossed the Atlantic before,
1: but like Lucky Lindbergh, Luke. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's going to be a successful journey. And uh, you know, February eighth, Wednesday night, King's Place, nine p.m. local London time. There in the King's Court section. Uh, MK in the UK is happening the the Pod Live Festival. You guys know about that already. Brought to you by the Sports Podcast Group. You remember they named us best sports podcast of 2022. Well, now we're going to go out there and earn it. So, folks, uh, we're leaving in a week. There are a few rows left of tickets in this 500 seat or so venue, and we want to we want to we want to jam pack this thing, right, Luke? We want to take that orifice and fill it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's already filled to the point <laughs> now. Where uh you might just gag on it. But no, in all seriousness, uh it'll be full enough where (laughs) it'll be full enough where um it'll look it's gonna be full, basically. But we would really love, really love, it would be really nice if we could just completely say it's a full-on sellout. It's not a full-on sellout yet. Yeah. Um, it'll be great no matter what, but I think crossing that threshold w- would be nice if at all possible. Now, if
1: you, know? you watch the pre-show commercials, you could argue it already is a full-on sellout, Luke, but you know oh, we're yes, trying our best in, to navigate success. But no, seriously, uh, this is going to be the best 90 minutes of your life if you like the ridiculousness that we bring to the table, that outlaw Dan Hardy, our special guest, brings to the table. We're still trying to secure some last-minute special guests. We're going to be filming a ton of stuff The day before, the day of, and the day after there. We're going to maximize our time in London. We're talking about room service diaries. We're talking about making some media stops of our own in London. Luke, this is going to be a very exciting trip. Jake von Amsterdam on the ground with the dock cameras. So, hey, guys, uh, you know, whether you're Appy or the Paquettes or whoever else is coming, yeah, we're going to have time to raise a pint with you, to take pics, to hug, maybe harvest an organ or two, depending on how frisky you get. But, uh, you know, jokes aside, Luke. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to be, you know, arms open to this, this continent here, this, these, these aisles that we're landing on. And we'll see, we'll see if I can unite the folks over there like we've done in this weird global MK family that we've built.
0: Couldn't say it much better than that. So if you want to get tickets, you know how to do it. Pod-live.com if you're listening. And, of course, you can just put your phone up to the QR code right there on the screen. I want to remind you, Showtime is the label that pays. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can certainly bounce. If you want to reach the show at any point, you can do morningcombat at gmail.com. BC and I do not read it, but the producers do. So have a use use that channel. And then say of course, hi to
1: Mikey when you're there, please. Yeah
0: yeah say hi to mikey and then last but not least bc we have we have merch in general and specific merch around this london trip of course you can go to morningcombat.store for that i'm wearing uh a, a new rising sun shirt
1: oh you i have the a coffee mug here did i leave that upstairs luke you i might have. have. Maybe one of your lo- during one of your long-winded rants, I can run up there
0: and grab it. But yeah, I mean, we got I the- mean, you're one to talk there, guy. You're one to talk.
1: <laughs> Glass House isn't all right. Uh Luke, here's the deal. Uh we got three brand new shirts on that morningcombat.store website, our live in London collection. Two of them very Union Jack oriented, as you can see in the bottom corner of the screen. One of them, Luke, destined to be a bestseller, the GTA MK shirt. uh hmm you know what I'm saying? This thing's blowing up, according to RJ uh, Ballbagger. So, uh, w- thank you, <laughs> folks. Get some fine merch. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some. We're gonna have a few giveaways in person there, Luke, with the merch at the UK show. I mean, I'm just fired up to see our weird people dressed exactly like us.
0: Uh, here's one question I have though. I don't understand what GTA. And again, I'm not a video game player, so this is definitely a question out of profound and uh, you know, abiding ignorance. What does GTA have to do with London specifically? Is there like a GTA London Yeah, I don't think it's
1: related at all, but it's a Grand Theft Auto design amazing shirt of like, you know. Yeah, I love the shirt. I just don't
0: don't get the London part of it.
1: Maybe there's a London episode of GTA, uh, you know, because, you know, they come out with different maps and different games. They update it all the time. I don't know if there's been a London one. I don't, you know, I'm more of a Fortnite guy, Luke. You know, however people think that that makes me look, but uh, that's the reality, okay? That mean,
0: if you play Fortnite in 2023 and you're nearly four, 50, excuse me. Uh, I'm not. I'm, first of all, I'm not nearly 50. Okay, let's let's get that out of the equation. All right. I mean, you're 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 kicking 50s door down at this point. Let's just be very clear about that. I think it's a little wash to play. Uh, uh, look, here's Fortnite. the deal. I did it to connect with my kids and then I caught the addiction
1: bug and they, they don't even really, well, one of the, one of my sons plays it all the time. The other one doesn't play it much anymore, but you know, Luke, I'm, like I always tell them when they tell me, Hey, Hey dad, like dads aren't really on Fortnite. Like, what are you doing? Just living my life. You know, I, I need an outlet for competition, Luke. Okay. And that's what I found. Okay. You know what I mean? It keeps right. me happy. Keeps me off the pole. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Jason, right, the know. buffer. No, uh, it, it keeps me uh, happy. And yeah, there you go.
0: Uh, well, as you can hear, BC, I am once again uh, sick. Although I, it's a very mild cold. It's really not. A big I, deal. You know, I got a but, great
1: sponsor for that. If you're ever interested, hey, call that I just want to. Yeah. I
0: just want to point this out. I called it last week because my daughter came home. Sure enough, with one of these. So let me ask you something. Which cough worries you more from your kid? The one that's like kind of sounds like they're hacking up a lung that like they've been smoking for five years, or the kind that's like real dry and raspy? I'm gonna go real dry and raspy. Sure enough, she came home with one of those last week, and I was like, yep. It is inevitable. Do you think she has Ta-da. the whooping cough, Luke, or do you think that died out in the forties? No, I think she. Ha- I think she's been vaccinated against that, and uh, I think that vaccine is pretty pretty good. Anyway, right. she doesn't have it. I can tell you that she's fine. Oh now. my god, she- Tukes Everyone's doesn't know fine. this,
1: but you're going to buy her
0: so many things in London. You're going to need an extra suitcase to bring home. Nah, home. mom already did that last year. So, oh, uh, right. but you know, anyway, I-, I should be fine. But you know, you can hear my voice. All right, BC, let's get this going if we can. Topic number one here for the day. Pretty fun. Now, this got announced well after MK's Friday show. It was closer to about Friday evening. But UFC President Dana White went on SportsCenter or various ESPN outlets, and he announced something pretty big. UFC 287, which will take place around April 8th of this year, will be headlined by the MMA rematch, now the fourth overall fight between former UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya and the reigning ufc middleweight champion alex Pereira, bc i say it's the rematch because of course they fought last time uh at ufc 281 where Pereira was able to get grab the title they're going to do it at ufc 287 we don't have a firm location for it but the believed spot that it will go will actually be miami florida which is kind of interesting the ufc has always had a bit of a fraught relation yeah not barclays uh, it's been reported. It, it's again, it's neither confirmed. and It's not confirmed for any one location, okay. but the clubhouse leader that I have been reading about has been Miami. We'll see. We'll see. To your point, we shall see. But BC, my question for you to open the show is as follows. Are you glad that the rematch, basically six UFCs in the modern era apart, major pay-per-views is happening this fast?
1: Yeah, I am. I am. Cause this was a unique situation that. Feels slightly less unique because we just saw uh, Usman and Edwards end in the same way—a fifth round, somewhat surprising, dramatic stoppage. Obviously, Leon Edwards' head kick was a was a different kind of surprise, but the same scenario. Adesanya had that fighting control, Padeda rallied. They've got the deep history, of course, with the two victories from Alex Podeda in, in kickboxing outside of UFC. So to run it back right now, I think we we need to find out. Because Robert Whitaker, as we talked about, would he parachute in and, and get the next title shot? Or would he be waiting for who's next? That's still in play here. But I think we have to find out between these two. Was that an aberration? Was that Alex Podeda's big moment to show us that he truly is of this level? Or does he have a middleweight title run and a continued dominance over Israel Adesanya in his future. I can't wait to find out. Luke, I want to spin it back to you and ultimately say this: what does this fight mean for Israel Adesanya's legacy? Because if he never fought again and never fought this fight, dude, he he's seriously like one of the all-time greats, the one of the greatest champions in terms of a reign put together. And you know, in conversation of the greatest striker pound for pound we've ever seen in this game but he's still got some, some, some time left and some work to do, whether it's in this division or not. Is this some level of make or break for his legacy? How do you sort of de- define what's truly at stake for Adesanya in this
0: one? It's so funny. That's a really great question, BC. I actually re-watched their fight at UFC 281 this morning before today's show just to, just to see what I would find. I mean, I've seen the fight a million times, but you know, what sometimes you see something new every time. And one of the things that really stands out to me about this, and we, you know, we had a conversation last year, or excuse me, last week, about how far could Pereira go as a 205er? There are some weaknesses in his game that we're w- pretty well aware of, but his physicality it does seem like it could potentially carry up a weight class. I mean, he looks like he is barely making 185, and when you watch the fight between Izzy and Alex from 281, there's a lot of things that stand out to you. One, uh, he uh, Izzy's best weapon was from orthodox; it was his jab and then his overhand. Um, but from that stance, he had worse defense. He actually got in more trouble. It was actually from southpaw. He had better defense, but he couldn't quite hold it. Also, like, there was a question about whether the wrestling kind of drained him after the third round. There's lots of things to stand out, but one of those also is in the clinch. like The physicality of it, the physicality of Pereira, really makes you wonder like eh, what is, is he up against here between that and his fight with Blachowicz. It looks to me like his, his skills and his size are really valuable through the vast majority of the kind of body types You might find at 185, but it could just be that the sturdiness and the power and the overall physicality that Panetta provides just is a a hill too high for him to climb, no matter how skilled he is. And I think if that ends up being the case, to your point, what does it mean? Listen, if he retires today and doesn't actually even take that fight, but even if he takes it and loses it... What he did at middleweight in terms of that successful run cannot be just erased. Or he's one of the he's probably the second best middleweight in MMA history, uh, or certainly in the running for it. At a very bare minimum, he has done incredible work in that way. However, Styles make fights. Physicality, of course, is one of those components and part of that style as well. And I think if he loses, we just have, we might have to recognize that the physicality uh, quotient that he goes up against creates a real hard ceiling for him. But it doesn't, to me, diminish the successful run that he was ultimately on. If he wins BC, I guess you could say, um, you know, uh, beating a longtime rival in this way would be dramatic and and somewhat unheard of. Almost given that they had different sports, it would be it would be huge. But and again, you're gonna say I'm making excuses for the guy. Maybe I am, but I just I, 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 it's, I just you can't undo what he did. It's it's remarkable.
1: Okay, he's already an all time great. He's already like you said, kind of. Out- at worst, the second best middleweight of all time, but there, the, you know, a loss here—I don't want to say puts a ceiling on that because for all we know, he could move up to light heavyweight and go on another run, or he could, you know, one day win this championship back. We don't know what the future brings. But the intriguing element to me and what that means, legacy-wise, for Adesanya, is just the 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 boogeyman factor. I mean, if 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 Podeda comes out and wins this, and let's not forget, again, I think you know you have to say it, dude. Adesanya was winning, going out of his way in that first fight, nearly stopped Podeda to end that first round. I mean, you know, five more seconds, he probably does stop him. Could you imagine what happens here if Adesanya goes out and loses a fourth time, including potentially two via come-from-behind knockouts? Maybe that doesn't alter the legacy a ton, but it shows here is one of the all-time greats in Adesanya, win or lose. But there was this other dude, and boy did he have this number across multiple sports multiple stops along the globe so there's certainly a lot of intrigue and i don't discount you know the the, the same uh, factors of what this could do for peda with another win coming over to this sport on a full-time basis at such a late point in his career making the instant adjustment overcoming the lack of experience in certain categories with just toughness and and you know pure focus and and, and deep drive um if he wins this we're gonna have to find out what happens when Whitaker walks through that door. Could you imagine if he could if he could go in, in this quick of run, Alex Padeda, and, and and put away those two legends? I mean, there is huge potential in a short window, just the same for this guy to almost double and triple you know, what he's accomplished across all combat sports coming in. So no shortage of stakes, whether it's Miami or Brooklyn, I'm going to be fired the hell up. Well, uh, this let me fight add one ar- thing,
0: though, BC, and disagree slightly. It's like, okay. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got, Luke? Well, Well, What's it's like- not like I fully disagree. <clears throat> I mean, the, the idea would be as follows. Like, if he goes out there and does this, to your point, in Brooklyn or Miami, wherever they end up putting 287, it's as spectacular as you make it out to be. And I would never say otherwise. However... You just have to ask yourself a really basic question. Do I believe at this stage, not that Pereira couldn't, I mean, Pereira with his power and size and skill already can beat anyone at 185. I think that's pretty fair to say. Like if Whitaker is not careful, he's going to wake up looking at the lights. Very, very easy to see. But do I think he actually would in the end beat Whitaker twice? I actually don't think he could do that. I don't. And so to me,
1: what I'm I'm just trying to say
0: is if, if, Pereira does this run through UFC, beats Izzy once, beats him twice, he's going to have a certain, like, his stock is going to be at an all-time high, but to me at an inflated price, because then the downswing, I think, would be come right after that. I think guys like Whitaker, potentially some other ones too, who just wrestle him to death, are yeah. going to find avenues to victory that's going to overall lower the question about actually how good he was, but he would, to your point, in that case, no matter what, have Izzy's number.
1: Dude, I mean, look... I- me, me making this potential statement will probably throw me in the same bowl that people lop you of just, man, this guy just loves Adesanya, man. He just freaking licks Adesanya. But, dude, could you imagine if he comes back, avenges this loss, and let's say does it by stoppage? Like, look, the legends are made different ways. I mean, if you can go unbeaten like a Mayweather or a Habib, it's a different kind of legend in some ways. But you know the legends we really love? The kind that are willing to risk it, they go in there and hey, sometimes they don't get that biscuit, Luke. But then they come right the hell back and avenge that defeat. Whether it's Lennox Lewis avenging his only two losses by knockout in title fights, or you know GSP against Matt Sarah. Not that I think Padita is necessarily in the Sarah category, uh, but uh, it, it, it's 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 going to be fun to watch this with all the levels of implications. And if if Adesanya comes back and avenges this, that's, that, that's going to say a lot about who he is uh all you know all the way down the line, so so much at stake, such a great matchup, and obviously so many questions that need to be answered. How much can padada improve on the the parts of his game that are still very raw and green in terms of this you know short time period that he's adjusted? He's only been with the company you know for like a year and a half we have to you know we forget that sometimes, but uh, yeah, I love this and what is the co oh yeah, we're gonna talk about the comate maid
0: we'll in a second, but i mean I, I I would be curious if you had any thoughts on like what might go differently because I, again, I rewatched it heading into the fifth. I definitely had it 3-1 Izzy. First round to Izzy. Third round, fourth round. One, three, and four were his rounds. Round two, pretty clear, went to Pereira. And then, obviously, in the fifth, Pereira closed the show. But you know, one of the things that sort of stands out to me is like uh is like uh, down blocking and like his initial takedown defense is pretty good. But when you begin to like make him work through position to position to position to position, it falls apart pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. He doesn't quite have that built in. And I don't know that Izzy's offensive wrestling is there to do that, but one wonders. The other part too was man, he had. It's like it's funny, you know. Izzy rocked him at the end of that first round, and to your point, there was ten more seconds in that round. Like the clappers had already gone off. I think he hit him at like the four or three second mark or something, something crazy. Um, But if you know that rounds a little bit longer, he puts him away. But the rest of the fight, it looked to me like he had a hard time hurting Padana. That was the really interesting part about it. He couldn't get him for the most part, off of him. The leg kicks did a little bit, for sure. Some of the body kicks did a little bit, for sure. But he just couldn't really get him off. It was that right hand that was the thing that would do the work. But that got harder and harder to find uh, as the fight went on in general. general. So I'd be really curious to see what adjustments they make between them. I do think it's a very winnable fight for the former champion. I really do. Well, here's the question. that That's I'm fun. asking of Adesanya in this fight. And I
1: ask it this way because, you know, sometimes ahead of big fights and we're tasked to make predictions. And you have to start try thinking in your head, what could that fight look like? The big question I had ahead of the first one is, does Adesanya want a point fight against a guy this dangerous? I remember specifically saying, you know, I wonder if all the backlash against him being a little too safe sometimes against big sluggers. I wonder whether that will motivate him to want to change that. And I wondered at the time whether Pedeta's straight ahead style would essentially force him to change that meaning this idea i asked ahead of the first fight should adesanya look to finish this guy rather than allow him to linger and the potential that he gets you late it just turned out that's exactly what happened luke do you think the second time around adesanya looks at his body of work said yeah i controlled him for most of it but there was something super special about this guy he he surprisingly showed us real 5 round stamina. He surprisingly showed us, you know, like I said, overcoming all the all the things he hasn't leveled up in his MMA game and just relying on the fighting spirit. If you're Adesanya, are you looking to finish this guy the second one, knowing that you had him close in the first round?
0: I think, I think you know, the thing that maybe was a bit of a missed opportunity the first fight was not enough ground to pound. There was some he had the axe kick at the end of the third and then a bit of a left hand that came after it. When Pareda was already on the ground, I think that was pretty nice. But in general, there could have been a little bit more. You know, here's the thing, BC. If you go back and you watch, he didn't change a whole lot. Obviously, Pareda got more aggressive in that fifth. But when when Izzy is getting backed up against the fence, which he's you know he's more mobile when he's fresher. But it takes real precise trunk movement and and fast twitch muscles and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a very delicate razor's edge of physicality you're working off of in terms of the danger you're inviting and how good your reflexes have to be when those waned a little bit not like they didn't fall off a cliff but they weren't as good as they were in the first two three rounds by the fifth round and Pereira's putting even more pressure on he just couldn't make those quick reads and adjustments and pulls as fast and I think that caught up with him what is the answer for that seems to me that's the problem to solve as long as it's striking in the middle a little bit of wrestling a little bit of clinch fighting potato will be in it but izzy will just be a little bit ahead by virtue of all the stuff you've already seen the question is once you have come from this level of physical reactive speed and agility down to this one and now he's turning up the intensity how do you solve that problem as long as he's got some answer for that i think he can win if he doesn't he cannot
1: yeah, I wonder if this new face tat from Adesanya is a tip of the of the hand of of where what direction he's headed, Luke. Ultimate badassery, because everyone I've ever known before this became a popular sort of hipster move who had a tattoo above their chest or below their wrist, they have either done two things in their life, Luke: hard time or a willingness to kick your ass over very little, and sometimes those two come together. Is he getting that face tattoo along with the neck one? Tells me, Luke, he's entering a new season of his life, a dramatic, violent season.
0: He might be. I know. You get tattoos on your face, man. That's uh that is a commitment. That is that's a some commitment Mike Perry shit right there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Uh all right. Uh point number, our topic number two, BC. We stick with UFC 287. This is why, to the point you raised about the co-main, why it could be ultimately in Miami is that the co-main will be what we believe is Gilbert Burns returning against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, of course, both guys train out and live in the Miami area. BC, if they actually do end up making this fight, and by the way, USC President Dana White announced it, but I'm saying it goes through, what does this fight mean for each competitor, and what does the result mean for the division? Given
1: their stature... Given the huge win Gilbert Burns had in terms of staying in line and contendership because he was unable to, to land bigger opponents yet, dude, he mopped up on Neil Magney. I think obviously from a distance you go, okay, this is a celebrity pseudo number one contender fight. And if we are going to have visions of potentially inserting Masvidal back into a title fight, which I believe could only truly happen if Edwards is the defending champion at that point, given their history... I like that the UFC essentially comes out and says, you know, all right, we can't just do it on name power alone anymore. You already had two of those, right? Uh, We got to go in the direction of you got to beat a top guy. I think my biggest question, separate from Gilbert, we know what Gilbert wants, Luke. He wins this fight. He's going to get what he wants. He's either going to get a title shot or the biggest possible crossover name available to him. My question is, why did Masvidal accept this when every single person's reaction to this fight was, uh, damn, Masvidal's going to get his ass kicked. And, and that doesn't mean that's what's going to play out. And Masvidal is very capable. And, you know, this is why we, we, we watch the fights at the end of the day. But Luke, why is Masvidal doing this? He's already had two title shots. I don't see him at this age anymore as somebody that is caught up on the idea that I've got one more run in me. I think he's now a, you know, a, a contracted hitman who's looking like Gilbert was during the last season of trying to find the biggest name possible for the most amount of money. Obviously, he beats Gilbert. Dude, he could get anybody. But is that worth the risk right now for Jorge?
0: Yeah. Who else would he fight and take out Connor cuz they're not going to make that Connor fight with him. So Connor's not on the table, Nate Diaz not on the table. Who does who does if he's not fighting Gilbert Burns to get anywhere approximating what Jorge Masvidal would want, which is, you know, to be as relevant as possible, but as, but more than likely more what more uh, well-paid. Uh, something of an action fight, if, if at all possible, that's what he's looking for. So who would it be BC? Because Kamaru's fighting Leon Colby. They're not going to do. They are just, they just did it. Hamzat is, we don't even know if he's going to be in this weight class. Then there's Bilal. Jorge's not taking that Gilbert's sitting at five wonder boy. He already fought and lost. And by the way, that fight granted that was before his Renaissance, but that was one sided jeff neal i don't he's already got a date with shavkat then you have sean brady that i don't think that right and gets, well just to
1: be fair you're getting to the level of names where the money's not going to be the same so i get that right. this is a so like, dude, a pay-per-view co-main event the, in the, miami to answer the question
0: hold on, hold on and i'll go i'll finish it just very quickly it's sean brady vicente Luque, and then shavkat Rakhmanov sitting at 10 masvidal sitting at 11 first of all this is inside the top five as an opponent And uh, secondly, this is the best it's going to get for Jorge, given the circumstances. To your point, he's 38. Uh, I believe Gilbert is 36. So Gilbert, not exactly young, but he does have a little bit of a youth advantage. I also think he's got fewer competitive MMA miles on him. Relatively speaking, Jorge has been fighting in backyards quite literally for a while. So there's a lot of wear and tear on, on his body. But this fight is not a perfect fight for Jorge by any stretch. But if he loses and performs well... It's it's not great, it's bad, but it's not altogether a complete disaster. Moreover, it's a big enough name where if he does in fact win, it puts him back in that space where he does want to be to get those more marquee names, potentially a Connor fight or whoever comes out of this Leon and Kamaru thing, we guess we'll have to see how it all plays out. That's why. It's because this is a very imperfect fight for Jorge. But given the lay of the land... It's the very best one he's going to get at this point in time.
1: I guess I asked this under the, the premise of did they tell him essentially that look, you know, your money fights at the moment are, are Connor and Leon if he has the belt. If you want either of those, we're gonna need you to come back, get a win, and get a you know, get a big one. So I guess I can understand it under that thinking for Jorge. Same thinking you mentioned where look, he's not gonna go fight Hamzad or, or Shavkat or you know, I mean, he's not gonna do that right now, okay? Maybe he looks at Gilbert's age. The fact that Gilbert was lured into a brawl against Hamzad and is just hoping Gilbert's not going to take him down and try to submit him, and I know Jorge's got defense for that, but I uh, yeah, I guess I guess I guess you're right. You know, for if you want big opportunities, you got to win big fights to get there. But uh, man, uh, odds wise, have they ins- installed the odds yet, Luke? Because they got to be aggressively in the direction. of
0: Good, good. question. I mean, Let me look that up right now. Let's see here for Jorge Masvidal. And I'm not, not saying Jorge's
1: seen... scared of anybody. I'm sure he looks at Gilbert and goes, okay, I see my potential angle of victory. I just don't know if we see that, Luke.
0: Okay, uh, I'm not going to give you the uh, the place. I'll just give you a rough approximation of what it looks like. It's roughly minus 500 for Gilbert Burns, plus Damn. 400 for Jorge. It's an uphill climb. It's yeah. an uphill climb. Let's just be very honest about that. He can do it, but it's an uphill climb.
1: Would you advise him to do a unique training camp for this one and go back to the same... Uh, forest in Central America, where he went to that reality show, took the year plus break of his career, and woke up one day and decided it's time to start baptizing fools. Luke, can lightning strike twice in the same location?
0: Um, unlikely. I mean, you know, you ever break up with someone in BC and then you're apart from them for a while, and then you're like, you know what, I really miss them, and then you get back together, and you're like, yeah. That was probably a mistake. Like it was a good thing we had that moment in time, but I can't use this to recapture magic. Uh, the magic was that time in that time. You know,
1: you know, over. Luke, to respond to that, there's there's this this weird phenomenon that happened in my single dating life where anyone that broke up with me wasn't looking to get back together with me. I don't know I don't know what happened, Luke. So no, I've never done that to be honest
0: with you. I, I I've only I mean, had it happen a couple of times, and both times it was done, I was like, Yeah, that was Yeah. Nah. Yeah.
1: It's not them, um, Luke. It's me. Okay. <laughs> Let's be fair about
0: that. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, that, that I can believe. But to, to the point you raised, it's like the fight is, this is what you're basically getting at. And I think you're 100% right. It's like, dude, this is a, uh, this is a tough-ass fight. And Gilbert is popular, but he's not like the biggest name in the division. He's certainly a big name, a respectable name, but not a huge name. Why the hell would you take this? And the answer is, given his other options, I'm not sure what the better option... I mean, I guess he could fool around at 185 or something. But, dude, he's... like Was it three-fight losing streak he's on? This would be a yeah. fourth? Um, I, I, you know. I'm
1: wondering if he realized after after negotiating that he has to win this fight to get get a chance at those two money fights I mentioned. But, Luke, I want to ask you this quickly here, and we're going to have time to break this fight down ad nauseum. But do you think Jorge looks at Gilbert compared to the two wrestle-heavy elites that he most recently fought in this division, Colby Covington and Kamaro Usman... And says to himself, even though Gilbert's submission game is off the charts, he won't be as consistent of a takedown threat of those other two. And if I fought those other two and, you know, I didn't win, but, you know, here I here I am still standing, I'll, I'll take that risk against Gilbert that I can try to stuff those takedowns.
0: Uh, yeah, I do think so. I think he probably feels like uh, on the feet, if it stays there, I'll win. And... He is good on the ground and he can wrestle, but it's not like the Colby all over you kind of wrestle there. You could probably, you know, uh, fight through a lot of that more nimbly than, you know, and by the way, fighting Colby is a good setup in the event that Gilbert wants to wrestle, right? Like you have that experience now, whether any of that actually proves to be true or how true it is remains to be seen. But I could understand that still. Even with that, the counter I would have, like the, the you know, devil's advocate would be like, Well, Gilbert can wrestle really well. He can definitely wrestle really well in a three round contest, which is probably what that's gonna be. And his submission game is, you know, they don't come much better. They don't come much better. Um, and plus he can strike his ass off too, by the way. Like the idea that Jorge is automatically gonna chew him up on the feet, I'm not so sure how true that is. I think Jorge at his best has been better, but I don't even know what the state of things currently would be. You know? So
1: look. the only other matchup I would have said style wise could have been good for him. And I want to know if you agree with this is Bilal Muhammad. Do you agree that that's the best potential top five matchup for Jorge at the moment?
0: Stylistic. No, Bilal's a horrible matchup for him. Why would that be a good matchup?
1: <laughs> I mean, Bilal's going to put on the, the pressure and the striking. Why? You think Bilal dominates him on the ground?
0: I don't think, so Bilal Muhammad is a guy that I've been wrong about a fair number of times. Oh, absolutely, and I'd favor him
1: to win that fight. I'm just wondering stylistically. Yeah, like, dude, Bilal and Jorge
0: fought. I'm picking Bilal. Like, I, you know, maybe I wouldn't have two years ago or something, but I definitely would now. So one of the things that's really impressive about Bilal, the fans don't like it, but you can see it just absolutely crushes his opponents, is, yeah, I mean, he might strike a little bit on the feet, but once he begins to establish wrestling contact, he does chain stuff together, right? He's constantly just on you. He is like he is like mosquitoes in a swamp. Like he just doesn't let go. And he doesn't all the time drown you or put on something flashy. But once he begins that process of wrist control and underhooking and level changing and pressing against the fence and switching to the ankles and blah, blah, blah. Once that process gets going, dude, it just doesn't really fucking stop. And these guys have a hard time dealing with it. Right? And I think Jorge at 38. Even though, by the way, Jorge is a good defensive wrestler and is a very good grappler, but at 38 against a guy like that, that's a bad matchup for him. I don't like that at all. No.
1: All right. All right. You know, I put out the possibilities, Luke, and then you play whack a mole on whatever one you want. I just wanted to know really, at the end of the day, does Bilal Muhammad have the best rack in MMA? (laughs) <laughs> uh, in terms of male fighters, in terms of development, I gotta say pectorals. his
0: pecs are legitimate. I mean, those yeah. things are legitimate. You know, that's just just God. I mean, if genetics. you could
1: take his pecs with Ian Heinisch's back, do you have the perfect man, Luke? I mean, we really have no. That you know, point, you, you know?
0: know who? You know who? I would need. I see. So you take Bilal's pecs. You take the traps of Dolka, Lungi, and Bula, you seen that, fellas, Traps? Holy shit, uh, he can't no. walk through a normal oh, door Oh, yo, yo,
1: without- yo, I know that, dude. Yeah, he wears green trunks all the time. I know that
0: guy. He's got super fucking huge Traps. And then the back of, like, dude, Big Francis is back. I've seen Francis in person a couple times. Oh, Old, yeah. Uh, and by the way, they're saying Sean Brady, Sean Brady's... Sean Brady looks like he has... Dude, this is how fucking yoked Sean Brady is. Ready? If he turns to the side and you're not paying attention, it looks like he has bad posture. But he doesn't. He just has so much muscle tissue on his back that it almost bows him out a little bit. It's crazy how strong and muscular that dude is. And, and um,
1: well-tattooed there.
0: Well-tattooed. And there very well-tattooed, yes. All right, BC. Um By the way, before we move on from this topic, just lastly, where are we with Colby Covington? Because Hamza wanted that fight, and we thought we were going to get it. Then Gilbert calls for the fight, and we thought we were going to get it, or maybe they would push in that direction, and they're not. They're going to do something else with the ultimate fighter, which is something else I think he had potentially wanted. Where is Colby? I don't, I'm don't. i trying to sort of understand. By the time he makes his return to the division, whenever that is, will it already be too late? It does feel like he's being a little bit forgotten.
1: Okay, well, true, but if he has turned down fights, he has had no shortage, by the way, of people shouting his name, like you mentioned, Gilbert Burns included, You know, I wonder if this is potentially strategic because he does look at his situation, right? This is the tail end of his physical prime, his marketing peak as well. Just got a pay-per-view win over Jorge. So there's some sort of momentum. You know, Luke, I, I think he's felt for some time that he has entered the celebrity fighter space, that he already did the work climbing the ladder so You know, he doesn't want to have to be thrown back into the mix, whether you believe that or not, whether you believe he truly is a pay-per-view brand or he's achieved that sort of lofty status. I wonder if he's waiting on the results of the trilogy title fight, thinking in his mind here, I'm a fresh title foe for Leon Edwards and have the, you know, the biggest name if he does beat Usman. That's Mm -hmm. really where I'm wondering there, because... If that door closes, if Usman wins the belt back, okay, we're not going to a trilogy here against Colby. That's when Colby suddenly has to do the hard work again. That's when he's going to have to, fight, you know, potentially beat a Hamza, a Gilbert, or whoever. I wonder if right now this is a little bit about positioning and st- in strategy in that regard. That's
0: a fair point. Uh, yeah, I don't have a better answer, so I'll, I'll I'll let yours be the last word on that. I, I, it'll be curious. I'll be curious. Well, to I see. Guess
1: the best way to answer that to me is this: if Edwards wins the, if Edwards keeps his belt, and you're saying what's next. Right away we're gonna be talking about the winner of Jorge versus uh versus uh Gilbert. Gilbert. We're also gonna be talking about where is Hamza in the you know in the two division equation. But the guy again coming off of a win in a pay-per-view main event will still be Colby Covington. So I think that that sums it up, you know?
0: Yeah, and obviously if Jorge loses to Gilbert, then that somewhat narrows the situation as well. So we'll have to see. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> All right. BC, point number three. So this one was very bad news uh, at the end of last week. Bloody Elbow, BloodyElbow.com, which w- which is still, as I speak today, a Vox owned media property, one of the most long running and you know it's not an independent site. It is owned by corporate, uh, or at least for the time remaining, it is owned by a corporate entity, but had a very independently focused, I think, editorial posture. It's being let go essentially by the parent company, which is Vox Media uh bc i i I don't know if you want to go first on this or not i mean given my uh, proximity to the issue i want to throw
1: it to you luke because um you know i i've certainly loved the 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 stuff i've read on bloody elbow but i don't have that same intimate up through the rain you know uh, you know i come from boxing came over to mma a little bit later than a lot of my contemporaries in this game i'd love for you to sort of sum up the impact of this website and what this means and what, what the future could be now after this
0: yeah, so for folks who don't know, as I just indicated, Vox is going to drop, it. I think they've got 30 more days, give or take, of the entire operation. They're going to let it go. Um, it was founded in February of 2007. At that time, I took it over as the first editor-in-chief of bloodyelbow.com. I worked there for about four or five years uh, until around about 2011 or so, and then I moved to SB Nation proper. And then at that point, they then bought, uh, between that time, they bought MMA Mania. So MMA Mania was the second site to come on board, and then the last of the big three was MMA fighting, which was sold by AOL around 2012, give or take around that time. At which point, I moved into like an editorial role uh, as, a, as a as an editor, excuse me, uh, at MMA fighting. So I worked at uh, two of the big three that remained. I've seen folks be like, "Well, I can understand if Vox had three, why they would want to let one go," but really, that doesn't make a lot of sense because. The way they initially had position, first of all, it's been this way for more than 10 years, right? They've had three sites for 10 years. They just figured out they didn't need another, a third one. That doesn't really make much sense. They got rid of it, in my judgment, in my opinion, rather intentionally, although it's hard to say with any degree of true certainty. Um, But the reality is, at Bloody Elbow, since that time, and this is something that Nate and I, Nate Wilcox was the guy who was running it at the time, this is something that we have been focused on since day one. We just didn't want to do what all the other sites were doing, which was to us felt being very obsequious to the industry and bloody elbow over the years. Listen, you can take issue with individual things that have been written. You could take certain. It's a human run institution. There's been mistakes that they have made fine. Absolutely all true. But the vast majority of people you have seen mad at bloody elbow do so because they just have a right wing, a far right wing political slant. And they don't like some of the stuff they report on. But if you just examine who has done over the course of its uh, life as a media institution, The most reporting on industry malfeasance, industry malpractice, uh, bad actors in the space, and as well, most importantly, BC, the true realities of fighter pay. Who has really put a magnifying glass on the industry in the best way possible? The answer is, to me, bloody elbow by a mile. I don't think there's even really a close second. Other other people in that space have done good work, but uh, as an institution, it's one of the most important ones. And frankly, BC, without it, I got to tell you, for the industry... I'm a little bit terrified. I'm a little bit terrified. It looks like what's going to happen at Bloody Elbow is that the people who have been working there now are going to try and reconstitute it independently. I very much hope that works. I would love to see that work. You know, you've seen the guys from Deadspin. They ended up making Decoder. Um, to some degree of success, it's not easy to do. So I really, uh, I really, really hope they're able to make that work. And if they are, then all's well that ends well. But that's a very difficult endeavor as well. And BC, there's simply no one else in the industry that's really done this. And I really want to make one more point about this whole thing, which, which is why I'm terrified. There have been really two key events that make me very nervous for the state of MMA media. Like already, we're at a place where they just mostly cover events fight trans fight fight news this fight got booked this fight fell through here's what the commission said it's very much hands-off in terms of examining industry practices and that's fine that's a beat you can do but there should be other ones as well when the athletic came around they hired everybody they even tried to recruit me i don't know if they tried to recruit ubc but they tried to oh, recruit yeah. me as well yeah oh, yeah they wanted and ended up collecting everyone who did real reporting the sean l is the chuck mindenhalls josh gross they had chad dundas they have been folks, and it goes on and on and on from there. That wasn't the Dan stuff was part of it, and other ones as well. And they basically let all those folks go. Many of them have not been able to find the same kind of work since then. Some haven't been able to get work really in any kind of meaningful capacity in the industry at all since then. That was devastating for MMA reporting, and we should say that out loud. That what The Athletic did was devastating for actual reporting in MMA because those other sites didn't hire most of those people back. Sean Alshadi went to MMA fighting, but he is largely in an editorial role. He doesn't do a lot of actual writing day to day. Chuck Mindenhall never really went back to another site, for example. like his The loss of what he was doing is, is incredible. And then this, you add up Vox dropping Bloody Elbow and what the athletic did to MMA, I can't think of anything that has put more people out of work who do the actual work of journalism in the space than even any ban from any promoter, which, by the way, those have been very bad for certain people, no doubt about it. But the scale of devastation here, a potential devastation, is horrible, dude. You could really make an argument that losing these two sites, or losing Athletic and then losing Bloody Elbow, if they're not able to reconstitute their efforts elsewhere, is the end of MMA journalism in any kind of like genuine capacity as it used to exist, and maybe in as a as a real practice, the the act of what they do, it doesn't pay. No one really wants to fund it, uh, and it is going away. And I got to tell you, I'm terrified terrified of it.
1: If you're a scumbag
0: in this industry, this is great news for you.
1: I mean, it's tough. I I came to the MMA media on a full-time level rather than just a contributing one in 2016, and if you said one of the most important MMA journalistic pieces I've read in that time, you know, they're probably all by John S. Nash and Kareem Zidane, right, Luke?
0: Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, in, in, in what type of alumni that we now know in MMA media comes from there? You... Brent Brookhouse, who now works at CBS. I mean, is it a who's who across the board of people that have, you know, done work there and 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 learned the trade there, so to speak?
0: I would say that, you know, uh, in general, one of the criticisms I've had of Vox Media is I don't believe that they are very good at nurturing any of their talent. But individual managers can be very much the exception to that rule. And I would say that Nate Wilcox has just the resume of people who have come through there um, is extraordinary. I don't think there's another site in MMA that can boast what they have in terms of the number of people who have been able to to spread their wings and fly, so to speak.
1: Uh, look, there's there's so much. Okay, like sports journalism, you know, in the in the digital era, you know, look, it's always volatile. Right, in in any company, and I've seen it in my days at ESPN, were years where they went all in on specific ports, sports, MMA included, and let's hire all these editors and writers, and you know, and then a couple of years later, go, okay, that didn't pan out what we thought. We're going another direction, but look at right now, ESPN, while not always maybe standing in the firmest of stance journalistically, since signing on with UFC, is now airing UFC, so it couldn't be more prominent. So look, if you consider now that the MMA journalism space. Anytime a sport is hot, and God, UFC's been hot for years, there's money there. What is stopping those who who bleed for this site behind the scenes from doing exactly what you said, joining together and trying to find another financial suitor who believes in this style uh, of, I want to say the style of journalism. How about who believes in journalism? Look, all right, you know what I mean? Like, seriously. Uh, I mean, it, it... it's like if this was a super niche sport, and, you know, I've been in the boxing journalism game for so long where I've seen such highs and lows of, like, there's a lot of money in this sport right now. It's a balloon. There's no money in this sport at all. Dude, there's money in the sport right now. You and I are benefiting from that and the great work we're doing at our various brands right now. Shouldn't somebody be able to pick this up or this, or this? you know, or at least the personnel or, or, or to keep this going? I mean, you have to be in a spot where you're not...
0: Dude, good journalism doesn't pay in any form or very yeah. rarely pays. It just doesn't pay. And then never I mean, again, the original way in which newspapers worked was that they sold classified ads and then that ad money, which had nothing to do uh, ostensibly with the journalistic work itself, like the Moscow Bureau chief at that time in the 60s or whatever, it, it was that the two were separate. And so you 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 didn't have to worry how much, I mean everyone had budgets, but <clears throat> you weren't you weren't thinking Should I write this story because it'll get more clicks? Should I do this podcast because it'll get more clicks? (coughs) Excuse me. Or should I do the actual story? Should I do the actual thing that matters that, you know, is not – I'm not gearing my work from an editorial perspective based on what will generate immediate returns – They didn't think of it in that way because they didn't have to. And so when you think of journalism as what does this individual podcast episode, what does this individual video, what does this individual article net meet immediately in terms of metrics, once you've made that switch, good journalism doesn't pay anymore. It doesn't pay. Now, people might be saying, well, then if Bloody Elbow was that costly to Vox, then they have a right to cut him. Yes, Vox can certainly do everything that they want to, but I would caution against that. I think to me, you know, I, I wasn't I've been gone from the company since basically in, in a full time capacity, since I think since twenty seventeen, and then altogether after twenty nineteen. So since that time I could not tell you what the reality was. But what I do know is that one, that Bloody Elbow was not expensive to run relative to other sites. They had hardly anybody that there that was full time. So like the fact that it was like weighing down from a costly perspective, I don't really buy. Two, the way that the SB Nation company works is that they're supposed to be able to sell ads across a series of networks of sites. That reach the same demos and so you don't have to get individual very niche sponsorship you have this network effect that's supposed to like scale and therefore you can re- you reach your goals even if independent sites um aren't necessarily always uh, the best fit or have always the best coverage you have this wide array of scale you can use that's the that's the second part about it and the third part is just this man like when i was there let me just tell you that this is true like bloody elbow reported on difficult stories by choice and because they had to push them through. No one was encouraging them to do it. No one was forcing them to do it. They elected to do it, and of course, they'd have to go through in-house counsel to make sure everything was that they were publishing was above board, which they did, and blah, 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 and on and on. But they're the ones that push the issue, and it's been this way since 2007. Like In 2023, all of a sudden, BE didn't make enough money. Maybe, Maybe that's true. I just tend to think that they are probably more of an editorial headache internally, and maybe Vox just didn't want that anymore. I tend to think that's most the likeliest of all the explanations.
1: That's an interesting uh, summary there, knowing knowing your history and, and what you know. It's funny, when you said, you know, there's just not a lot of money to be made anymore for pure journalism. And I don't disagree. You know what my knee-jerk response always is to that? Mm. Unless you're at ESPN. Meaning, the arms that ESPN has as a whole. I'm talking about, you know, the, the former magazine features they can do. E60, outside the lines. That level of stuff right um look ESPN's been very on top of the ball of re- reporting on the UFC gambling issues certainly we we in our opinion dropped the ball on the out you know on the fallout of the Dana white domestic uh situation are we still a couple of years into this ESPN UFC deal like waiting to see when the next big scandal comes how they react or are there enough scandals out there right now that they already should be attacking and should be that? that industry journalistic leader. I don't know, Luke. It's interesting. They're, the, they're issue, the issue is the like on the
0: fight on the on the fighter pay stuff. It's not even like what should be the reaction to a scandal. It's like, dude, who is picking up the phones and looking for information yeah. that powerful bad actors don't want them to do? Who's actually going against that? Who's working against those large scale interests? What well, they it could hurt their own being?
1: business at the end of the day. Their business is to profit off of the UFC. So if their business is to do that, how aggressive are they going to dig up everything Beyond the game, even in the gambling scandal, right. you can argue, you know, UFC wants that gambling scandal to be deeply investigated so they could never have it happen again and build up those, you know, those walls to stop that. So I could see why they would be in support of that. But, you know, there's a lot of issues that we talk about, or that, sorry, that you talk about a lot that sometimes even I, Luke, are like, oh, this one again. But now that a lot of the pieces are really starting to come together through some very good aggressive investigative journalism in recent years and especially recent months and obviously bloody elbow is a big part of a lot of that dude i'm starting to wonder what that next big scandal that's going to come above the surface actually is you know is it you know kadiroff related and down that down that line in that category or what is it and to your question or to, to the one in general i mean who is going to be the, the places that are aggressively covering that and funding the coverage of that it's a very interesting
0: question luke So grateful for all the years that B was able to work under Vox. And I mean that genuinely, because I know they probably didn't do that super uh, gladly. But um, yeah, we shall see. I hope that they're able to reconstitute their efforts elsewhere, because otherwise the industry is poor for it. And by the way, just one more thing. It's like you can see a lot of people being bitter at B, which is great. Like you should be able to be fine if people are if there's a niche people of. Whatever. People are allowed to say what they want about your media outlet, especially if your coverage has been adversarial or otherwise investigative. That's fine. But uh, you want players like that in your industry, right? You want like, dude, Nate Wilcox, like how BC, BC, how much do you know about Nate, the guy who ran the site? How much do you know about him?
1: Almost nothing beyond the name, Luke, because he's not exactly. he doesn't purposely put himself out there as a public
0: figure, Right, because he doesn't give a shit about anyone's opinion in MMA. And I mean that, like, genuinely. He lives his life independently, doesn't care what the opinion is of cage fighters on feminism or Andrew Tate, just doesn't give a shit, doesn't care what anyone in any position of power has to say, nothing. Doesn't bother him, doesn't live by—and I mean, like, in the truest sense of the word, that guy— was powering the editorial direction you need someone like that to do it otherwise it doesn't happen and the point i wanted to make is people can be mad at it if they want but the industry is better when someone who feels utterly unencumbered by it is asking questions about its practices if you don't have that you miss out on a lot a lot okay with that in mind let's go to topic number four bc so in positive news well, I guess if you're not Anthony Yard, it's positive news. BC Artur oh. Betterbiev forced Anthony Yard's corner to chuck the towel, metaphorically speaking anyway, in the 8th round of their light heavyweight matchup. Uh, but Betterbiev or betterbeev retains three of the titles of course, Dimitri Bival who we'll talk about in a second, has the fourth, but BC it was a great performance by Betterbiev. It was a great performance by Yard. What a fight, first of all. look like, what a what fucking fight. fight so the, right? Oh, so the question is this. Did Betterbiev look a little old to you this time
1: yeah it was a combination of a couple factors so you started off by sort of saying well you know and happy good good news unless you're yard no i actually think this is this whole performance was great news for anthony yard no he didn't end up winning the unified light heavyweight championship but luke despite being a monster underdog despite you and i given the history of us you know seeing anthony yard fight here and there we're really down on his true prospects of winning this outside of landing the big punch why Because he's somewhat still of a raw, raw, crude boxer historically heading into here. And the guy gasses big late. He's a big, muscular guy. I have to say, he completely turned around his reputation and what we think of him by a gutsy, courageous performance in defeat. Whether you actually agree or not on the scorecards, Yard was up on two of three scorecards at the time of the stoppage. Obviously, that would have changed with the knockdown that happened leading up to the stoppage. And yes, the reason why the corner threw in the towel was because Anthony Yard had really begun to hit exhaustion and wasn't showing the proper body language. And look, we all agree they saved him from a, from probably a violent ending there. But your question is, in terms of what we learned at 38, has age caught up to Biterbia, better be, however we want to say it. Uh to a certain degree, yes, Luke. And I thought that comeback fight from the long uh COVID ex- uh the long COVID layoff against uh what was the guy's name? Adam Deanus. Was that the fellow's name, Luke? Um Something where like I that. just like, you know, that was the fight a couple of years back. So let me look this up. That was Adam Dean's that was in Russia in 2021, where you know, better better be look kind of human there, taking big shots. Well, look, he came back with two big knockouts against two big names. To kind of put that to rest, but here's the deal: he did Archer better. Things, which is be willing to take some level of damage to close that distance and get to mid distance, and then get him to where he had Yard cornered, which was surprisingly, you know, not surprisingly often in this fight. And that's when he lands those clean, hard, clubbing, ridiculous power shots. But Yard just would not stop trying to bounce back and win this fight. And it helps when you've got big time power, which is by far Yard's best calling. But I I can't say it enough. Altogether, yes, 38 years old, it's catching up to better be just a little bit. And I do wonder if this performance being so close, where he was caught pretty badly under one eye and he was, you know, bruised up pretty badly too. I think this is going to lead to a lot of people, if they were on the fence before, you know, going b when they finally do make this undisputed fight. But that notwithstanding, Yard overachieved big time through just toughness and sheer will and improved technique I can't go with it like you got to say it Luke his left hook was money he was landing big shots which actually forced Better Beef to take a step back a few times um Better Beef did what he had to do he's a true champion but you saw that emotional celebration when he did get the stoppage did he get old overnight or did he just do exactly what we did and go I've seen enough of Anthony Yard to know what this is a mandatory setup before the big career defining undisputed championship bout. I don't fully know the equation there. Uh you know what I mean? What did, did, did Butterbeef have his eye off the ball just a little bit. Things caught up to him but because he's so great he pulled it off. That might be the case with that power and the technique. You certainly wouldn't uh, you know, you certainly wouldn't count out his chances of being the undisputed championship champion when they finally make that fight. But make no mistake, dude, this was almost more Anthony Yards night at the end of the day than it was Butterbeef's. Wow. And, no, wow. I'm not kidding on that. I'm not kidding on that. This is like a fight of the year contender. This is a war. Dude, Yard would not stop coming on, Luke. It was wild.
0: I think that's I think that's a, mis- a misread a little bit. Not that it, the fight wasn't great. I, I certainly agree with that. Or that Yard doesn't deserve serious praise. He does. He does. I thought he showed, even for people, I think we can agree here, even for people kind of like us who thought Beterbiev was going to win, yard showed us a lot more than we were expecting and we were expecting something relatively good. It was, it was, it was relatively great. It was very, very commendable what he was able to show. I think,
1: I mean, I mean, look outside, I want to spin it back to you outside of criticizing better beef from the standpoint of maybe ages catching up and the guy's 38. Okay. We can't, you know, long amateur career. We can't avoid that. Father time does come knocking. Uh, I do think a large percentage of that. What I mentioned was overlooking his opponent, but I have to criticize Better Beef standing in the pocket consistently. I know that's what he does. He breaks you down. He gets inside. And, dude, when he's got you cornered, those power shots are clean, accurate, and damaging. That's who he is. But, dude, he took on a lot of extra clean shots and was standing in front of yeah. it, almost waiting to be hit. So, I, you know, either that's a really bad judgment or his idea was, let's get this guy into an action fight. I know my chin's for real. He's going to gas out. Only, Luke, in route to eventually gassing out? He nearly after Ron and won this fight. You know what I'm saying? He's up on two or three scorecards. He had better beef rocked and cut. Like, I don't know, dude. The, the, either Anthony yard had the fight of his life or better beef had his eye off the ball. But some combination came together to make a great fight. And now we got to try to figure out exactly what Bevall versus better beef looks like. And I'm not really sure. I know Luke, not really. Yeah, sure I think you're
0: giving yard a little too much credit. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, all the nice things I could say, I'll say them again. And I do think that. Better be have looked a little old at times, right? Like, here's one thing I noticed, B.C. There were times where you could see Beterbiev, like, recognize an opening and then just not throw, you know? Kind of like, wait that one out. I'll wait for the next one. I'm not even saying rationing his offense. Just not being quite as physically dynamic and present as he has been in previous years. I saw that. I saw that a little bit. To me, that was definitely a little bit of age that caught up with him. You, you, you combined that yard had... An aggressive, I think, in many ways, interesting and, and difficult to deal with game plan. And he's a big puncher. You say he and quick rocked. Don't you say forget he the quick hands. Yeah, he's got quick hands. You say he rocked Better B. He definitely hurt him. I don't think he rocked. We, we, we might have a different expression of. When I hear rocked, I mean he's doing this number. He was not doing that. All right, the, uh, he was hurt every retreating. You, know, you rock
1: somebody extreme, they do a dance, but you can touch them change their facial expression, make them take a step back, you know,
0: yes, briefly he did wobble do that. them. He did That's, do that. Uh... I mean, we're getting into a game of semantics. I just sort of want to be clear about what we're saying he did. I agree I agree that he did do that, what you're describing, whatever you want to call it. But for me, the reason why better we have won in the end is because, dude, he was just, he's more clever. Even when he yeah. was getting pressed against the ropes, some of that, like retreating back to the ropes, yes, I'm sure standing in the pocket too long, to your point, was not a great idea, but he would pull Yard in and then reverse him on the ropes every time and then finish the round unloading on him. Moreover, you look at the right hand that set everything up. He faked Yard into dropping and I think throwing his hands into an uppercut, got out of the way, and then greeted him with an overhand right. He set that up. He, can, he tricked Yard into giving him what he wanted so he yeah. could land a hard, clean punch. Yard didn't really do that to him. He kind of overwhelmed him at times, but he, didn't, he wasn't as clever as better be, Evan. For that reason, I can't quite agree with the spirit of what you're saying. Well, let me
1: ask you this, because here's ultimately better be fought in spurts in ways I didn't think he would need to. Meaning, Fair. what's the Fair. MMA comparison? Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisping. In these spurts, dude, he looked like a million bucks. That The two or three times he spun yard around in the corner, like you mentioned, late in the round and just put on the onslaught. You know, look, a lot of guys get stopped by that. So part of yards overachieving here were, was more of the intangible categories of, of hanging in there and being, you know, quick and, and having the threat of the power. But, you know, better be, it wasn't extended full on. Like the, he fought in spurts to a certain level. And, and I wonder, like you said, packaged with the failure to launch when certain openings were there. Is he slowing down? Do he take his eye off the ball? You don't really know. But I will say this. He was jovial in celebration, almost relieved in a way I never would have expected. And then his post-fight interview, which in Britain, you know, they do it outside the ring. I forgot the, the female broadcaster's name that interviewed him. But look, we talked heading in is like ahead of fights. He won't give you anything. He looks angry, mean. He does speak English and understands it well, but he speaks in like two word phrases and that's it. Dude, did you see him in that post-fight press conference? He was like happy and jovial and talking at length. There was a yes. high level of he said He of said he was here. ready
0: to leave London with happy memories, and like, he was all smiles. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because the last time he was there, what? He had lost to, uh, in, in, was it in the Olympics? Was he referencing to Usyk? I'm not Something really sure. Like but that, yeah. uh, the whole point here, Luke, is I think he was relieved. So, again, uh, it was what makes fights fun, especially when you're building the bigger fights. You're never going to count better beef out here against Bevall, but we got legitimate questions. I wonder what that's going to do for the betting lines. I wonder what that's going to do for the game planning. But I think you saw what I saw. When that fight ended... Everybody's reaction tweet was this this is the kind of this is the kind of version of him that Bivol could could pick apart could control from distance potentially. I mean you're going to have to show a chin cuz Better Beef will get inside on you, but it is interesting that Better Beef is enter- entering the the defining fight of his pro career with a 19 0 record with 19 KOs. But at 38, where we're questioning what he has left, it's all just—it just adds more story to the overall picture here. Um, this is still Bevall better Be, one of the you know top three or four fights you can make in the sport this year. Uh, two unbeaten champions and a unification, undisputed fight, pound for pound elements involved. It's going to be massive. But uh, well, damn, I heard
0: dude. I heard some British people saying, "Oh, what might be next for better have is Callum Smith." Is that how real is that?
1: I haven't heard that rumor. Uh, you you saw, of course, uh, in the ring afterwards, Better Beef basically say, you know, I want I want history. I want the four belts. Let's go. Let's make the Beavall fight. I do still have questions, though, Luke, on if b still under contract with Eddie Hearn, which I believe he is on the DAZN side of things, how easy is that fight to make against Better Beef, who has the co-promotional deal with top-ranking fights on ESPN? I don't so, know. So could boxing chicanery... Cause a delay in this super fight, where you could slide in a Callum Smith for big money if the promoters. I mean, look if you're if you're Bob Arum, Luke, and you were ringside for that, and you saw a great fighter potentially look like he got old in there. Do you want to try to max him out in England and bring on other big names and get? You might want to do that. <coughs> um, I do know the the powers that be in this situation seem to want this fight. Why wouldn't you want uh-huh. a fight between two un- un- unbeaten guys? both not marketable per se in their own right. Although Bivol being the fighter of the year last year has raised his profile considering considerably you want to make an undisputed fight like this, but will they, I hope, I hope Luke, I don't need Callum Smith next. I, I need I, it. I
0: will tell you this. I have no interest in the Callum Smith fight. I respect Callum Smith. He is a great, he is a, he is a, he is just that a very respectable talent, but better be if choose right through him. Sorry. Uh, I will or say does he, be- Luke?
1: Because he's supposed to chew right through Anthony Yard. Let's be fair. Anthony Yard made a leap. Yes. But even making a leap, better beef still should have probably been Dude, better. You in this can't life.
0: handle the power punching of Canelo. You have, you're hopeless against better beef. I mean, come on. There's no chance. Not a chance. Um, well, it is a different
1: weight how- class. Yeah. I wonder what that, how that changes things, but I hear you. I
0: hear fair you. Fair enough. Okay. But here's what I'm trying to point out. The Bivol fight to me. Someone asked me in my early read, I'm going to ask you yours BC, but my early read again, when I say early read, you have the right to change your opinion based on what happens between now and the fight and whatever official prediction. My early read is Bivol beats him. And I think Bivol's jab and movement, it's not, dude, all of these guys, they keep, I guess, here's the thing. Better be if kind of forces you into his fight a little bit, because I think yep. partly he, to your point, he does stand in that pocket being like, come on, fucking hit me, you know, a little bit like that. And it forces guys into bad game plans at time. I don't think that's going to work all that well against Bivol, especially since Bivol is arguably the better mover between them and the better jabber between them. Oh, I don't know by how far the I, better
1: mover and jabber yeah, at this point. Yeah, you know?
0: like and and I and also younger and whatever else. The thing is this: because Better Be fights that way, guys end up being like, "All right, I guess I'm going to have to fight fire with fire against Better Bee. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to meet him." and I'm going to have a contest of physicality. But, (laughs) fellas, you can't win that one. Not with this guy. It doesn't work that way. Sorry, he's the final game boss in that sense. I don't think Bivol has even the slightest degree of interest in wanting to do that and doesn't need to to win a 12-round boxing contest, which doesn't make it not dangerous. It's dangerous, but Bivol has all the skills already, I think, to give Better B a lot of problems.
1: Okay, so who should be favored? It should be Bivol. Do I think he would win based on what we know right now? I do, but I don't, you know, it's certainly not easy at all because if there's levels to this game, and there is, even 38-year-old Betterbeev is just simply at a different level than Zerto Ramirez, who Bivol, in that big fight, the second fight for, of his 2022 campaign, which lifted him to fighter of the year after upsetting Canelo, was, you know, I mean, he dominated Zerto, Luke. I mean, he, he made Zerto really have to question Doing, you know, doing Zerto things and standing in the pocket and landing big shots because this was always the criticism we had against Bivol when he had so many boring title defenses from distance just doing the amateur thing is when somebody has to make him fight, can he stand in there and and, and fight back? Can he handle himself in there? Well, against both Canelo and Zerto, dude, he handled himself in such an insane manner that that's why he's now the fighter of the year and in your top 10 pound for pound meaning Beavall he stood in the pocket and landed such clean combinations and backed the guy up and just showed that his power when packaged like that can be something but better beef has a crazy chin but better beef carries his power late even if Beavall can control from this let's not forget Alexander Alexander Vazdik who fought Better Beef when they were both unbeaten in a light heavyweight title unification bout, Vodzik had moments during the first half of that fight, big moments controlling the action. He's very Bivol-like Vodzik in terms of the amateur European background and boxing from distance. Doesn't maybe have the same level of pop, but what happened in that fight was Vodzic was getting control with the boxing and Better Beef slowly broke him down, stopped him and actually retired him in that fight. So um, can Bivol carry that same level of control, even if he steps into his power shots and fights better beav off, which he'll have to. Can you do that for 12 rounds? Can you do that when better beef backs you up into the ropes? Those are going to be the big questions that need answering of really how tough is be actually, because Luke as skilled as he is and that skill allowed him to bully Zerto. I don't think better beef gets bullied like that. I just don't think he does
0: unless he gets tired you could get tired, so like the body work of Bivol also might be important sure. to see. I, I like the way you set that up and made it, uh, and I made it, I think presented it as a, there's more parody here than maybe I was, it sounded like I was giving it. I think your assessment is better. So that's great. I can't wait to see it. I really hope they make it. Again, I still would say my early read is Bivall gets it done, but to your point, Plenty of reasons to think otherwise and or to just see the fight in general. Anyway, title unification being perhaps one of the most important ones of all of them. Can't wait to see it if, in fact, they make it. All right, BC, last but certainly not least, topic number five here. You know what? We had a bit of a light weekend. We had the sort of mid to late afternoon here on the East Coast fight with Better Be Even Yard, but not really a whole lot of high-level MMA beyond the regional scene. However, that changes on Saturday. Bellator 290, of course, will be on uh, Saturday on CBS slash Paramount Plus. There's also a UFC Fight Night card. Amanda Serrano is back in the boxing ring at Madison Square Garden. There's actually a lot happening this weekend. So BC between between Bellator, UFC, boxing. Tell me a fight you are most looking forward to this weekend and why. I couldn't break the tie. I got two fights for you
1: here that I'm really right. keying on. Obviously, beyond the. The headliners and, you know, Fedor versus Bader, maybe it's Bader versus Fader, uh, is, is massive. So is the Johnny Eblen. Very tough title defense against Tokoff there for the middleweight championship in Bellator. But Luke, I'm going to start that UFC fight night card that goes down at the apex. I, I Where was I? I didn't even know this was happening. Dude, you know how big of a doohoo Choi fan I was. Korean Superboy, guy that arrived on the scene as a rising prospect many years back and was delivering big knockouts until he found himself in three consecutive wars. Obviously, the one with Cub Swanson being an all-timer, or Hall of Fame fight, and losing three in a row, retiring from the sport. Look, he's back after nearly a three-and-a-half-year... Layoff, retirement, whatever you want to call it. He's going to be back in a featherweight bout against Kyle Nelson. Dude, did you know Do who Troy was coming back? Luke, one of seriously, one of my it, it was a it was a, a brief shooting star when he came on the scene, but one of those guys that I just wanted to be great because I loved his attitude. I loved his game. Um I'm, I'm being told here, Luke, by our people that it was maybe military service. I don't think it was. Was it the mandatory military military service that The Korean zombie also went through Luke.
0: Um, so that would have been four years. I don't recall him. I thought this was not entirely certain.
1: Yeah, I thought this was stepping away after three straight damaging losses, you know, in which he had moments, of course, but but couldn't pull together. Either way, he's back. What do you what do you what do you believe at at, at 31? And he's from South Korea, so uh, you know, I don't know, I'd have to look up the potential military uh placements here, but uh, he pulled out of a fight in 2021, Luke, with an injury. So maybe I'm overplaying this retirement. Am I wrong? Did he not retire?
0: Dude, I haven't thought about du Ho Choi in a while. <laughs> um, I'm not entirely certain about the specifics of his career I, right now. I don't I don't recall. Um certainly the Korean zombie had to take four years away from military service. That's true. I don't think Down or excuse me, I don't think that Duho Choi got an exemption to that, so he would have had to as well. Um, but I can't say for certain. This is this is your fight, so you tell me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I should have had better better, uh, better information on there. But, Luke, I'm really looking to see, you know, he reminds me of uh, Tom Dukenwa, Luke, another guy who kind of came out of nowhere, made big fun fights, and then just left, Just, right? said, just left just at the same effort. time. I'm out. Before he could maximize that. Okay, so that's what I'm looking for on that side. But I want to specifically tailor this to you because that opening fight on the Bellator on CBS card Saturday night here February 4th coming up this weekend, dude, Brennan Ward versus Saba Homasi is just smart matchmaking from the idea of Let's just take two all action bangers. We'll put them out there, right? Like following, you know, Paul Daly just retired, but following in the footsteps of that, let's just put these two guys in there and go to war. And by the way, both of these guys did fight Paul Daly. But Luke, the, the side of the equation on Brennan Ward, uh, you know, Connecticut background, all that. I know you talked to him. People can check out that interview at uh, youtube.com slash uh, King of Connecticut factors in on this, Luke, but I know his backstory as well as you and anybody else. As dark a turn into drugs as you possibly could have had, pulls himself out of there. His backstory is insane. He's won a couple comeback fights. He's the same all-or-nothing slugger he's always been, and that isn't looking to change. But after talking to him at length, like, what do you really feel about the prospects of this fight? We we expect it to be a war, and if he wins this, is he like, is this comeback story not just to get back to this point, not just to get clean? Could he actually make noise in, in the Bellator standings in this division?
0: Dude, i tell you what, Brennan Ward has always been a really good athlete. Like, you could say whatever else about him, but he's been a good athlete. Obviously, he has a wrestling... <sighs> Pardon me. <clears throat> he has a wrestling background. <clears throat> and, you know, if, if you listen to the interview, he's training in ways he just quite literally hasn't done since 2014. He got into the sport very young. He's 34, so even though he's missed a ton of time, he's still got, you know, uh, a little bit of time to do something special. He loves the opponent. He loves the way the opponent fights. You know, I don't really know what I don't know what the future holds for Brennan Ward. The only thing I can say with any degree of certainty is that he is and maybe for the first time ever putting himself in his best position to get the most out of himself. Uh, he's training at Johnson and Wales, which I know is sort of a culinary institute, but they have a I think a D three wrestling organization. He's out there and they're a good one, by the way. He's out there wrestling with them as well, like. Dude, he's just crossing every T and dotting every I for the first time in his life. And when you you hear him explain what he had to do to get sober, the levels of all the parts of his life that had to change, he's not saying words that sound comforting. Yeah. My man was in the trenches, not just the trenches of despair, but the trenches of recovery as well. And all of the stops on that awful highway that you have to take and all of the mental battles you have to win along that journey. Dude, he lived that too. And now he's in a place where he is, I, I'm assuming, quite clean, sober, clear-headed. Uh, work, he is still a union member. Work gave him time off to do nothing but train. He's doing two and three a days Dude, I don't know if he can beat Sabah Hamasi, but I know that you're going to get probably a very, very, very good version of Brendan Ward, and that might be enough to really push himself into potentially special territory in Bellator, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's always been a firecracker, not just in his fighting style, but, you know, interviews, big, big F-word type, big F-bomb type guy, but, you know, he took four and a half years off, and, and coming just coming back... Is a monster victory when you consider he did jail time he was deeply addicted to the hardest of hardest drugs rehab and and you find out rehab and you find out on top of that like he literally didn't train in his prime when, when Luke when we saw him you know fight those names i mentioned like paul daly uh dude he was not literally not training at all was doing drugs so it's one thing to stop the you know mid-level lower level competition guys he just did but Sabah Humasi is a big opportunity for him to make fireworks. But you're doing it on CBS. He's got a great story, which you know they're going to tell. He wins this, Luke. You wonder if there are big, much bigger things to head ahead at age 34 for him, even with the miles he's already put on himself physically and mentally. I, I cheer for this type of turnaround story for anyone. There's no question about it. And I am dialed in on this one heading into there. So everyone could check out the interview Luke did as well. Hey, Luke, I got another interview coming this week, by the way. I already, already, already put it in the can. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf on Morning Combat.
0: Someone, uh, our producer says, check IG. Dana and Logan Paul just did a joint post on IG. It's basically a sizzle reel of Logan talking about wanting to fight in the UFC. Then closes with a major announcement tomorrow. Yeah, I don't care.
1: Wait, (laughs) is Logan Paul going to take a UFC fight, Luke?
0: I mean, if CM Punk did, what's stopping Logan Paul, who's a better athlete? You know, Okay. what's stopping him? They'll find somebody for him to fight. Yeah, I mean, they do gimmicks like this all the time. Uh, all right. BC, for me, I will tell you what, man, like when Bellator cards are kind of nubs, I'll say it on the show. I really don't mind. This one's not. This one's good. This one is this is a good card. I could pick a lot of fights on this Bellator card, which by the way, I'm gonna say it one more time. Not on Showtime. It's on CBS on Saturday at Paramount Plus. First of all, the Johnny Eblin. Anatoly Tokov fight. I know Evelyn just beat Musasi, but, dude, Tokov might win this one. That dude is tough to beat. He is very talented, great finisher, great attacker from the back, well-rounded, 34 pro fights, 31-3 and record experienced. I mean, that is a very, very close fight, number one. I love that contest. But, dude, you can go down the list. How about Max Roshkoff, who had, you know, the issue with UFC where he was supposed to come out of his corner and he didn't want to and blah, blah, blah. And then he went on the Sojourn. Well, he's back in Bellator now. He's going to take on Chris Gonzalez, the guy who just fought Usman Nurmagomedov out of Team Alpha Male. You can go on down the list, BC. There's a ton of uh, uh, Russian prospects they have, including, but not limited to, at heavyweight, Steve Mowry, your Connecticut boy, taking on Ali Isayev. Ali Isayev, a 2008 uh, Olympian. He was a European champion, and I think he a freestyle. I think freestyle wrestling, maybe Greco Roman. I have to double check. But he's undefeated. I think he's going to be, uh, this might be his Bellator debut, or at least his second fight. Yeah his Bellator debut after uh going undefeated in PFL so he's over here now Darian Caldwell is on this card as well Lorenz Larkin is on this card Neiman Gracie is on this card up and down there's fights to check out I'm actually like genuinely looking forward to this by the way you're asking 9 p.m east coast start uh for Bader versus Fedor 2 on CBS
1: yeah uh by the way Steve Mowry although I like him big Steve not a Connecticut guy Luke born in Pittsburgh Ah. fights Fights out of uh, Kill Cliff down there and also used to spar CBS Sports Combat Sports senior editor Brandon Wise once he joined Hard Knocks 365 as a civilian, Luke, and then ended up in sparring matches with Big Steve. I mean, Brandon, what are you doing, bro, right?
0: Also, BC, no. the uh, BC special at 125, Diana Avsaragova taking on Alejandra Lara uh, out of Colombia, uh, but she fights out of Mexico. Uh, BC, I, I know that really has really got your heart reject.
1: I reject that reputation, Luke. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here, but damn, does Alejandra Lara need a win, Luke? Right? Need yeah, she win does. Big. She night. really
0: does. To that point, she badly. And here's an opponent who's tough, but uh, only has so, five pro fights. She has fourteen or fifteen, excuse me. So it should be winnable. If look, I love you Lara. Right.
1: I love her fighting spirit, Luke. She does, you know, the, the dance is heading in, usually at the weigh-in does something to raise awareness, but she's 9-6 and six overall. Three-fight losing streak has lost five of her last seven. So this feels like, you know, can you turn that corner Do or, die, or not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, like you mentioned, this undercard, this preliminary card, excuse me, which will air live on YouTube and Pluto, Pluto TV, uh, loaded with names during call. I mean, so many across the board. So uh, don't miss out on that, a three-fight main card uh i'll be looking forward to that luke does does Derek lewis sergey spivak move you at all i don't, I don't think you're moved
0: i mean it does but like you know they've got all these korean fighters on there i'm told obviously to promote the product in korea and for their television uh holders over there rights holders which is fine i mean i don't really care about that one way or the other but i would I mean, that's watch a 1 a. it 1 a.m
1: eastern start time 1 a.m eastern for the, that's what i'm card.
0: saying for a man so they're gonna fight at what like 3 3 30 like no i'm not staying up till 3 30 in the morning to watch that i know all the irish and the uk fans this is what we do all the time folks yeah. what you don't do here's what you don't do <laughs> you don't stay up till three in the morning for sporting contests in your country that's what you don't do because no one puts them on there like that. Except for the UFC when they did like Dan Henderson versus UFC, which is for American audiences, which is why they did that anyway. The Premier League games don't start at one AM London time. They don't fucking do that. So give me a break with all that shit. Do you remember when in Ricky this Hatton, country? You
1: remember Ricky Hatton's breakthrough title win over Coast Jesus, Luke, that was on yes. Showtime? They they aired that live East Coast on Showtime, which was like three or four in the morning, uh overseas where where the fight was you know set from yes that was a combat
0: sports will abuse their audiences <laughs> in that way but in general the major sports don't do that so uh great but um, i'll watch it the next day is i guess what i'm saying the the hours after it takes place i'll just get up and watch it on my tv so uh all right bc that is it for us here uh so let me get to this one bc the day has finally come where we announce the the this month's money lion hammer of the month award Yay! First and foremost, of course, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who voted on social media. We appreciate you. We looked through all the nominations, and while we wish we could give this award to everyone, of course, we cannot. So we made our final selection, and excited to share, to share that today. BC, who here's who was nominated? Number one, you had Umar. Number You had two uh, ismael Bonfim. Three jelton Almeida. A lot of Brazilians on there, and then four out of Venezuela, Roman uh, Villa. Don't forget about choose Bruno Fajeda. Winner.
1: We threw him in there as well, Lucas. Uh, yeah, like so Bruno a-
0: Fajeda as well. I apologize. Uh all right, but we have to choose a winner. And so the winner of this month's Money Lion Hammer of the Month is Bam uh uh it is Umar Nurmagomedov. He is your winner. He is the selection this month. Again, thanks to everyone who voted. We're going to get a trophy to him uh, and all that good stuff. So, of course, we have Aaron Blanchfield. We have Ilya Teporia. And now, BC, we have the great Umar Nurmagomedov. Thoughts on this?
1: Now, Luke, I know we have, you know, flat-rate international shipping on MorningCombat.store. Does that same flat-rate go to getting the hammer in Ilya Teporia's hands for winning it last month?
0: I believe that's right. We're working out the details there, yes. Okay.
1: Can't can't wait to see that guy sporting it. And now Umar, who, look, the hardcores, right? The hardest of the hardcores have told us from day one that you could get all excited about Habib. You could get all excited about Islam, Usman and Magmedov. But Umar's the best of the group, Luke, under Team Abdulmanap. There's still time for that to be a real thing. You know that, right?
0: He might be. He might be. I don't think that's crazy. Some
1: people just know stuff, Luke, okay? They're on the inside. They just know
0: stuff. It's true. It's certainly true. All right, BC, holy let's hammer, just...
1: bro. Hashtag holy, holy hammer. hammer.
0: All right. So again, thanks to everyone. Congratulations to Umar Nurmagomedov. We appreciate everyone who took uh, part in that. And again, thanks to Money Lion for helping put that all together. All right, BC. Let's get to it now. It's not where you or I ask each other questions. It's time for the donks to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from the donks.
1: Hee <laughs> haw! Yeah.
0: Hee haw! All that good. He freaking
1: haw! Yeah, we've got. Male viewers. viewers.
0: Okay. All right. From at James Mitchell's is how it's written here. Uh, Mitchell SS. Why would you? Why would you put SS in your name? Okay. But he did. Uh, what do you think the chances are we end 2023 without an American born slash naturalized champion? That's only Hill and Sterling currently. What do you think? BC? We're going to lose all the American champs.
1: Are you trying to say it's downtime right now for American MMA Luke at the highest level? Is that what you're trying to say? Because people were saying that about Brazil recently.
0: That's what this gentleman is asking.
1: I mean, things come and go. The titles change quickly, Luke. Okay, so buckle up. You know, we got a lot of, you know, I I don't try to look at MMA from a nationalistic sense. You know what I mean? I don't even go, yay, go damn Yankees. You know, I mean, like, whatever. But um, uh, do you think this is a trend, Luke? I don't feel it is. I just feel that that's where we're at the moment.
0: I think I mean, everything's sick I think everything is cyclical, but it is evidence that like the global expansion of the game is gonna make it harder for Americans to dominate the way they once have. Yeah, sure.
1: Well look, dude, the these hammer countries are a problem right now in the sport in MMA. They're they're all coming on, Luke. Okay? The the greater Dagestan extended Russian, former Russian eastern european countries central asia i mean like there that whole region is just exploding on this level at the hot you know at the highest promotions across the board um you know do you do you want to offer advice to american mma to the to the american artists of marshall luke of of how we can turn this trend back around for old uh, daddy janky over here and in, in, in the the stars and stripes <laughs>
0: uh i don't th- get better Work on your takedown defense. Yeah. yeah, that's about it. All right, from CLP Film BC, did you old wash dads hear about Bigfoot Silva possibly going to the slap dick league? Yes. Has okay. There he posted- ever been? Yeah. Go ahead. Worst idea. Has there ever been a worse idea in human history?
1: There's been a lot of really bad ideas in human history, a lot of those related to MMA, unfortunately. But yeah, uh Antonio Bigfoot Silva, who you'll be seeing and have you seen this shit, Luke? You're about to rate his new tat. But I'll tell you this. Uh he posted a photo of this with a slap and wondered on Instagram how he would do. Please, 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 good lord. Let's let's get this guy retired, okay? How many more?
0: Yeah. How many more? Please. If folks I I I know that like back in the day, it's less of a thing these days, but like it used to be back in the day where folks would be like, Oh my god, MMA is or You know, ultimate fighting is what people called it in the aughts. Is just too violent for me. This is, you know, this is not sport. This is this is barbarian barbarian acts. And I'm always like, lady, I'm not saying that this is not difficult to watch for some. I, I can buy that it is. But if you think this is the bottom of the barrel, oh. Oh, let me introduce you to BKFC. <laughs> let me introduce you to Slapdick. Let me introduce they I mean the levels at which it can yeah. get grimier than than MMA are
1: I mean we got are, Diego Sanchez and a bare knuckle main event coming up. We we're fighting against the optics of this slap, and by the, I just want to answer one quick thing. Because everybody's, you know, these are grown adults who consent to this. That's fine, okay? Yeah. If there's slap league competitions in other countries or at your local bar, that's one thing. It's an entirely different thing when UFC has their own slap dick league and is using all of their arms and tentacles to promote, sanitize, and do all that. And if I have to hear another time or see another video online about Dana going, Hey dummy, this was the same feedback I heard when I launched MMA, but we're getting this shit regulated. I don't care if you have every single doctor in the world, along with at Zuck, renting out the Apex and standing there. Those doctors can do tests before the slaps, Luke, and they can do it after. They can't stop the CTE from arriving. Okay, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. So let's end any debate considering that. If you like it, go watch it. But the fact that the UFC is unapologetically doing this
0: is the central issue in this debate. End of topic. Also, if you like it, you're probably stupid. I mean, I can't guarantee that. That's not necessarily yeah. I true. I mean, some
1: people like gross, you know, adult films to the level where you're like, is it even legal that they film them that, that they're watching it? You know what I mean, Luke?
0: Are you are you projecting right now?
1: I, I'm throwing. Or did you, know, you know, look I at my search history? I currently don't live in a glass house in that category, Luke. Okay, you know what I mean. You watched
0: very, you know, romantic pornography. <laughs>
1: no, I, I, I'm not watching. BC's it. like, you know what I
0: need in my pornography? Romance dialogue go on dates Shannon
1: tweed okay andrew stevens the night eyes franchise i need the only guy
0: who's like pornography just does not have enough romance i really can't just it's not enough it's not enough Uh, i'm not gonna let you porn
1: shame me anymore Luke. okay that's that's for that's the end of this
0: conversation (laughs) all right uh from at math.u.sale.era just the worst fucking name in the world would prime tony ferguson brian campbell have done better against Habib than Olivera did against Islam. Yes, I think. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. Olivera didn't do shit to Islam. That's the problem. Yeah, it was ten, 10 bad minutes, as he said. But stylistically, dude, dude, let's not act like that wasn't just oh he happened to take him down and and submit him. Dude, he was lighting him up on the feet too. That's what yes. led to the to the finish. Yes. So,
0: which I just I feel like Tony would done a, you know spinning backfisted his way into getting taken down eventually or whatever, but. You know, he would have touched up. I think Habib a little bit more than what. Look, Ola proverbial
1: firearm do. to your head, and I don't even like saying that, Luke. Okay, but like, is it in play that Islam passes Habib in terms of being, uh, in terms of greatness? Is that still possible? I mean, obviously, it's still possible. Possible, but
0: like possible, difficult. I mean, because you know, he he's is got a the, different he got the stoppage fighter. loss, right? Yeah, that that's bad. And then he would have to beat a real cast of guys to get his name in that way. But it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right. From Zach Bolden, BC, over under two and a half. All right. Amount of margaritas Luke consumes at the live show before he utters the phrase, (laughs) I'm starting to feel these margaritas, Brian Campbell. I'm
1: feeling these margaritas, Brian Campbell. Uh, I believe we will not be drinking at the live show, Luke. This is a professional uh, music music venue, and you know yeah. we are we are invited. We are invited guests. We're not handling the production, so shout out to the great folks there at the Sports Podcast Group and Pod Live. But Luke, there is some talks about like taking the after party to a pub, and I know you don't yeah. love this idea because the the, the 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 they're coming. The zombies are coming, and they're going to touch you, and they're going to consider harvesting your organs if they can get enough margaritas also, in
0: you. Also, we are going to... I mean, I don't know which one. I don't know which one it will be. But if we do that, just so it's clear, you and I are both going to get a communicable disease at that point. I just want to be very... Or or
1: ketamine up. slipped into our uh, Delta 8, Luke. Something bad's going to happen, Probably, right?
0: yes, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know.
1: But, uh, yeah, we're going to have fun. We're going to see our fans. But, no, Luke, uh, you're going to hold it together this time. You know, it's something... Yeah,
0: some they're not... Uh, we, the, we are... This is for folks who like. Let's explain the difference. BC and I are not just randomly in the UK like renting out a venue for an MK show. If that was the
1: case, we'd be going hog wild, and you'd have to deal with the SAG. You know what I'm saying, Luke? That's that's exactly
0: right. Instead, this is a podcast festival at which we are headlining, so it's a little bit of like you know, it's their house. We got to play a little bit by their rules. Yeah. So don't don't get us wrong. We've got some fun stuff planned. But you know, BC's gonna keep his pants on is the point of Anyone
1: make, expecting yeah. like GG Allen to open for Guar, it's just not gonna happen at this yeah. venue. That doesn't mean it's not gonna be the most dynamic ninety minutes in, you know, combat sports podcasting history. It's although be BC
0: might fat. eat his feces. That is on the table. <laughs> on the
1: table. <laughs> it's gonna be a little highbrow, but Luke, you know uh, Unless they're testing my bloodstream before I walk in there, all bets are off, right? All bets are freaking off,
0: right? <laughs> uh, okay, and then last but not least, BC. Last but not least, I don't quite understand this question at Cole underscore Brown eight five eight. If you had to either go to jail for a year or go to jail with a Rubik's cube and you get to leave when you finish it, which one are you choosing? Are you guys struggling with Rubik's cubes out
1: there? Where did I just? I just saw that. What show did I just see that? That that question asked on.
0: Anybody? I don't know. Am I doing some stupid bit from a TV show no, where now yeah, I get to say it? and I, Now they're going to take the video of it.
1: I literally, in the last 48 hours, was watching something where that question was asked in the show. What was it? It's
0: says re- it's oh, recent they're saying deb- it's a
1: recent debate. I saw it on some TV show. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Are
0: people thinking it takes a year to solve a Rubik's cube? I got it.
1: I got it. I was. Uh, I was watching an episode of Bull. Luke, my, my wife and I are, are. you know going going back through that show season by season? And I saw that asked in there. Um,
0: you could solve it in an afternoon or at least a couple of days.
1: Well, so if you were, if you had a chance, like if you were going to be put away, right?
0: If you're going to be put away. So wait, what's, the, yeah, what's, the, what's the, say, of the Mikey is explaining this like I don't get it. <laughs> Mikey, I get it. The idea is, uh, yes, you could go there with the Rubik's Cube, but what if it takes you a long time? The year in certain cases would be less. What I'm trying to say is if it takes you a year To figure out a rubik's cube you're a fucking idiot that's what i'm trying to it doesn't it should not take you a year that's crazy to me right am i I out of my mind
1: i got it now i saw theo vaughn on a clip talk about that as well luke also in the last 48 hours okay so it must be a it must be a hip thing right now to debate that
0: i mean i haven't done one of these since i don't know i was in my teens or something but yeah. I'm I mean,
1: gonna guess, given your background in debate club and as a math math athlete,
0: team, yeah, I don't forget that you're
1: balls team. deep in Rubik's cube and you're just not admitting it. And you no, you probably I, I don't, know I don't own
0: one. I don't own one. I haven't played with one. I was never one of those kids who could go like Brr, and then do it fast. Yeah, but like I could solve it like on a car ride or something. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I don't quite understand. Like you have a year to, to figure this out. Like okay, I'll I'll take the Rubik's cube. Like how is this a thing? I don't.
1: All right. Well, you know, okay.
0: When they what, when they I, check
1: I, your bags at customs, Luke, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna find this equation out. You know what I mean? It's gonna be great.
0: So oh, they, they, a live show. Luke does a Rubik's cube in under X minutes, or else he covers the tab to your post live show. Listen, here's how this is gonna go. You give me one of those. I'm gonna, a, I'm gonna chuck that motherfucker into the audience. Two, if you think I won't dine and dash, let me explain something to you. I will.
1: What about a scenario in which I stand fully clothed? We set a timer you get handed the Rubik's cube I begin a strip tease you have to solve it before oh, I get before I drop my dungarees as you would say and we all get fired and never asked back in the country again well, we
0: listen I'm, I'm not hold on I want to be very clear about this I'm not in any way suggesting I'm a genius with the Rubik's cube that's not my point my point only is if the choice is whenever you're done or a year yeah I'm gonna take whenever I'm done you, you mean to tell me you could you couldn't figure that out in a month. So okay, I've I'll never, spot you. I've Thirty never made, days.
1: I've never made much progress on that thing, Luke. That's not my type of. That's not my type of thing. All right, I'm more right. of like, hey, can I win this, you know, victory royale on Fortnite against ninety nine, you know, sub teenagers? They don't know I'm a dad, Luke, but you know, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing that dad energy. I'm taking them out one by one, Luke. Okay.
0: All right, fair enough. Yeah, listen, I'm not. I'm not a puzzle guy or any of this shit. That's not who I am. I just feel like. I'm not going to punt on a year of my life over a over a Rubik's Cube. I'm not going to give that away. Jesus. All right, BC, it's time for your BS. It's Before we get into PC.
1: my feces, Luke, there were a couple extra things we wanted to touch real quickly. Did Ooh. you see that report? A Bloody Elbow was where I read it, actually, speaking of. Shocker. That, that the woman who accused Conor McGregor in Ibiza of assaulting her and she had to jump off the boat to escape, her car exploded in the past few weeks? Was that is this what happened?
0: Uh that story I read I think it got set on fire more than it just spontaneously combusted. I don't think it combusted. What right?
1: do you make of that? Because a lot of people were tweeting at us going, How have you guys not talked about this? I just found out about it this morning. I, I, t- I sent the link well, here,
0: the link. For folks who don't understand what we haven't, like you're like, how do you not know more about what the Irish have published? Because a lot of these stories They're actually. It's. I'm not familiar with the terrain of like Irish media. I don't know how to navigate that in terms of like what's really good, what's really bad, who you can trust, who you cannot. I I just don't understand that market very well. And also, I don't exactly know who to get for reliable information. And also, Ireland has really weird laws about what the media can or can't publish. So a lot of it seems from the American perspective because you can't name certain names. It all seems very sketch. So that's the reason why we haven't got into it further. We're happy to report things that we feel like have a reasonable level of. Um, authenticity and truth value they've been reported but here's what it says: A 40 year old woman who made a formal complaint against uh McGregor, accusing him of assault, had her car set ablaze earlier this month, per the Mail Online. Um, Irish police confirmed there had been a suspected arson in the I'm going to I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce it Drimna neighborhood of Dublin. The Gardai are investigating a suspected criminal damage from a uh, by fire incident. That occurred at approximately 10 p.m. on Thursday, January 19th, at a residential premises in this area. No injuries reported. So all it right. sounds like arson, BC.
1: The other thing I wanted to mention was, um, Arthur Betterbeef shouted out, uh, your boy. Oh, Kadirov. Kadirov after in the post fight interview after winning and thanked him for all the support and stuff. And then I saw a news this morning that, uh, Hamzat Chamayev has taken Kadirov's 15-year-old son, Ali, to train with him at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand and an entourage of Kadirov affiliated fighters as well. Luke, I I bring this up because of the crossover in boxing where any connection to Daniel Kinahan, the Fury family still cannot fly to the States. That's why Tyson Fury is not going to be, you know, fighting Usyk in Las Vegas, so to speak here. Um, Is something in that regard coming because there are so many fighters connected with a guy who is caught up in so many human rights abuses and and other very I've I've, I've
0: tried to do a little bit digging on like how is it possible that the treasury can have these very specific guidelines that doing business with Kadyrov is strictly forbidden And of course uh, someone like Chemayev is both Swedish and I think he probably still has Chechen nationality so you know this doesn't apply to him in, in all the direct cases but just insofar as it involves anyone who is American how is it possible that they can do business with him and there's no issue here about what's going on. And the answer is, I don't know, but based on some folks I've been talking to, I wonder if there's a on, I'd be very surprised if there was no ongoing criminal investigation into it and yeah. where it leads and who it snatches up. I have no idea if it ever makes it to the, the, the light of day. I don't know, but there's reason to believe that it's ongoing and, it feels like it's due for a reckoning, doesn't it? It feels like everyone's yeah, I mean, just look, kind of operating like it's no big deal. It's a big fucking deal.
1: When UFC fighter Munir Lazé, Lazaz, is that how you say it? When I think he so. was at the apex that time and he shouted out Daniel Kinahan, like in the cage, you know, uh, shout out to Alan Dawson of Insider, uh, a friend of the show who, you know, was peppering him with questions. And, and Dawson's done an incredible job against resistance, you know, doing a lot of public reporting against Kinahan. I just question why that's not the case with kadyrov you know what i'm saying on that not not for dawson i mean for all of us why we're just sort of like yeah we know those associations are there but everybody's just cool with it
0: um i don't know i don't have a good answer for you but i do feel like at some point it's due for a reckoning all
1: right well hey check out mmai mma analytics new video out there on youtube that 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 dips deep into that category if you want to hear more on the putting the pieces together. Very, very eye-opening, if all is true. Luke, it's time to put the serious stuff behind us because, you know, we can do both, Luke. We can dress down. I mean, we live in a dress-down reality. We can also we can also put it back together when it matters. But, you know, every Monday we do a very dressed down segment where your boy BC scours the globe looking for the highs and lows, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between in combat sports and really even beyond if you're interested in, you know— Old White Fails, or uh, Elder Abuse. This one's called.
0: Yeah. Have you seen this shit? Yeah, the Elder Abuse. Sign me up for that. That's really where I come to life.
1: All right, Luke. We already knew this fight was happening. It had been reported, but it was officially announced. David Benavidez and Caleb Plant, two former super middleweight champions, are going to headline a Showtime pay-per-view March 25th in Las Vegas. Can't freaking wait. But I've referenced many times that there are multiple incidents at gyms where they where they basically nearly came to blows. Here's the 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 lead video on that for anyone looking to get fired up about this matchup. You're gonna see Caleb Plant in the white there at a gym. You're gonna see Jose Benavides Jr. who's there with the black t-shirt and black cap. You're also gonna see uh David Benavides in a red shirt. This is the big one that everyone references when we say, Oh, these two don't like each other. There's legit beef. I just wanted to sort of set the stage properly for you. <laughs>
0: I was being cool. I was being cool. I Never once. That's cool. how was being cool. Those motherfuckers been being cool your me. being cool me. Don't be, don't be, mean mean be saying that me. shit.
1: Don't be saying that shit. you That was that What you saying? You think I'm scary? you? You coming over here You think I'm scared of What's up? to do? I'll do whatever
0: you want to do. I'm no bitch. You been bitch. I'm right here, dog. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's Hey. What's Hey, hey, y'all oh, okay. y'all okay. hey, y'all coming over here! Hey, y'all coming over here! Hey, What the fuck is you talking hey, about? Hey. I got it, I got none no, no. No, of no, that. No, what no. you doing? What are you doing? Hey, hey, hey! can't come over here. Listen Lopez, me. Lopez, Lopez, Lopez! No, listen to me. Lopez, Lopez! If you come over here, my coach is gonna say to calm down, right? Right? Please, so. Don't get mad at him for saying
1: that. Don't get mad at him for saying that. Huh?
0: Lopez, Lopez, Lopez. don't get mad at him for saying that. Calm down, close you. I need to tell him to calm down. So Brian, this is stupid. It doesn't okay. do anything. No. Oh. telling yep. you, to pull cool down. Man. Sit Shut the fuck out. Take your ass hey. back over there. And let's just go and get the fuck
1: out. Let's huh? finish our workout. We're here to work Or what? Let's finish our workout. Hey, hey take, your your take your ass back over
0: there. Take your ass back over there. Hey, you here, What's up? You know what the fuck you ass? Bro. I no. a
1: Luke, a little lengthy there, but uh neither sides back down. That was Caleb Plant, who essentially kind of threw the first punch, a slapping left hand on Jose Benavides Jr., Senior, the father and trainer, was there. You saw in the red shirt, David jumped in, and they've been at odds ever since. Does this light that juicy flame for you to to think of this as more than just two former champions strategically facing each other on pay-per-view? There's beef here, Luke. There's real beef,
0: brother. Yeah, I just... No, it doesn't do shit for me. I I love the fight because these two guys... I, I do like the fact that they don't like each other. That, to me, adds to the fight, and I in a legitimate way, and I sort of get that. But, like, pouring over these gym disputes where... Young men are yelling at each other over the dumbest shit. No, it doesn't do much for me.
1: All right, I got fired up from it. Sorry, Luke. We'll continue going. Hey, we did have boxing from this past weekend. Let's go to the Golden Boy main event. Check out Alexis Rocha with a oh, knockout of the oh, year oh. contender against George Ashi. This was in the main Jeez. event. Rocha, Rocha's coming on a bit, Luke, but how about that finish? Damn.
0: Good Lord. What a right hook from this guy popped him knew exactly where he was going to be he did he didn't really set up the uppercut right he just kind of flashed the little he may flashed the jab and then went to the uppercut and didn't no excuse me it looked to me like he led with the uppercut can we see it one more time yeah so he leads with the uppercut never lead with the uppercut especially the rear hand uppercut without set up first because if you just lead with that uppercut you're going to be wide open even if it was come from the other side he doesn't put anything behind it and just gets absolutely crushed. Just throws the uppercut. Yeah, boom. Boom. Damn. Uh, wow we mentioned lead. the
1: Better Beef fight, which took place in London. Here's a key sequence in round five when Yard was lighting Better Beef up, but he turned the tables. Fun to watch.
0: Dude, Anthony Yard is intimidating, man. Yeah, just, look, it just turns him. And look at that same side, all right hands. Amazing, amazing. Turns him, moves him. Uses Dude, the fact Yard that Yard's holding this? on to, to reposition him. Dude, better Ooh. be of v- was when well, he would reverse him in these rolls here, like just turn him. Yeah. So then he moves him just like that. Oh, telling you, man, it looks like it's obvious. It's a, that takes a skilled tactician, man.
1: And look, when he corners you there, you can't get extension on your punches. It's really hard to fight off a guy like that. But uh, Yard showed a tremendous chin. I got a lot of respect for him. Before the main event at Wembley, or not Wembley, at a different arena there in London, Luke. Jake Paul and Tommy Fury went face to face ahead of their February 25th showdown. Did you like this pro wrestling theatrics?
0: No. Uh, why is Tommy shirtless? Did he fight on this card? No. He just had to show you what's under the hood, Luke. Okay. Uh. Yeah. This is all. Uh, you know. Like I said, man. I'm not gonna. Say, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take a dump on Logan Paul. I'm not gonna take a dump on Jake Paul. You know. I have been told. You've told me this. Other people have told me this. That Logan is actually really good at pro wrestling and has actually really tried. So I respect that. I respect that he's putting something together. I respect what Jake has done in boxing for what it is. I take it for what it is. But, like, you know, am I going to take time out of my day to, like, oh, I got to go see what these two guys do? No, I'm not doing that. Well, you may not
1: be willing to drop a deuce on Jake Paul, but Tommy Fury was when walking up to the poster. Check out the drawing he put on here.
0: You got to draw a big old dick? Yeah, there are the (laughs) balls. Look at that.
1: Good old boxing, Luke. Always the lowest common denominator, right? You know, either I can kick your ass or you have a dong attached to your face. Those yeah, are you have a the dong in your face.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
1: Well, hey, finger. Luke, you mentioned that Logan Paul might be a pretty good wrestler. The WWE Royal Rumble was Saturday night in San Antonio. And check out this moment he and Ricochet combined for.
0: Didn't he tear up his knee?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, look at this.
0: This was, like, over the weekend?
1: Yeah, Saturday. I thought he was going to be out for, like, a year with that torn up knee, which was what? I'm trying to think of what pay-per-view that would have been at. Uh, Maybe Survivor Series, Luke, which was November, right?
0: Or was that SummerSlam? Maybe,
1: I don't know. Time moves so fast. But, dude, just check out the athleticism here. It's insane, right?
0: Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, again, I don't know anything about pro wrestling, so you guys can correct me. It looks to me like the difference in skill level between him and the other ones is not that great.
1: Yeah, he's he's physically he's like you know he he has nuances he has to learn and all that, but he's like a day one I can do this thing type of celebrity crossover. It's it's been pretty remarkable to see. Mm. Uh, this one not rumble related, but Valerie Lareda made her televised WWE debut for NXT with the nickname with her uh, you know wrestling name of Lolo Vice. She did not get the win, but there's a little bit of what she can do with the spinning kick. Luke, you you, you impressed at all by this? No. Alright, there it is. There you go. <laughs> uh hey, you want to see a Bill's Mafia fatality? <laughs> Here we go. We got those two.
0: Look at this drunk fuck. <laughs> oh, dude, how do you get hit by a car that's not moving? Yeah, you go. Right? You, you, it's like, dude, you I drink... got run over by a car and it was parked.
1: Yeah, well you that's... drink, you know, twenty five cans of Jenny Light, you know, before eight AM. That's usually how you do that. That's
0: what was the, hold on. what was the BC like okay, so you know, for Okay. In night, I went to college 98 to 02, all right, 98 to 02. In that time, the cheap beer option was Natty Light or like Beast Light, Old Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. Oh, what yeah. was the BC light, like cheap-ass beer go-to for you?
1: Okay, for, for in high school, for a short season, do you remember when Miller Red came out in 1995? It was basically, it was just called, it wasn't Miller Light, it wasn't Miller Genuine Draft, it was just called Miller Beer, and it had an amber red tint to it. Remember vaguely, that shit, vaguely, dude. That was our jam in high school, and then, um, you know, for a long time, we were, we were bush can, bush lighter, bush can for 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 many, many a time. Luke, that was the official beer of 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 low level living, you know, of underachieving. Uh, <laughs> because look, you could grit, you know, and then you remember when Coors came out with Coors Original, and the and the can had the mountains yep. etched into it, and you could grip yep. them better when you were like all messed up, you know. Those yep. were. Yeah, but no, dude, I, I came up on Natty Light in 94 like everybody else. I mean, you know, that happened, too.
0: My, my, I, I just always hated the guy who was like, yo, Keystone was my favorite. I'm like, no, no one no, likes Keystone. Fair. You're a fucking liar. No one likes dude, that.
1: Rolling, remember we used to drink Rolling Rocks until we realized that it's just like piss in a, in a bottle? Like, Bro, I had a fraternity
0: had- brother whose house was so rancid and filthy. Not our house, but like he had a place off campus that he, he had an empty Rolling Rock bottle in his sink. He would use that to swig his mouth after brushing his teeth at night. True story. Wow. I was like, dude, you're fucking gross, man. He was like, Well,
1: no, Luke, no. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya, you know him as the Golden Boy uh, CEO, Luke, the Hall of Famer. He was giving away tickets to Saturday's card, but you needed
0: <laughs>
1: you needed to pass a task first. Your thoughts.
0: I mean, he's got class out the ass, you know? So he
1: tweeted his wife's name, Holly Saunders, guess her boob side and size and win two ringside seats to Saturday. I don't know if anybody guessed or won those seats, but I, you know, if I did that, Luke, my wife would be very upset, as I'm sure yours. Here's Holly Saunders' reaction. All right, there you go. That's um... congratulations to that lucky fan, Luke. Whoever got those tickets,
0: yeah, okay.
1: Hey, you ever you see Louis CK is back, getting a lot of. Uh...
0: Yeah, cancel culture really, really. Or messed maybe them maybe that's huh?
1: not Louis C.K. Did I get the wrong guy? No, I got the right guy here. Uh check out this tweet, Luke. <laughs> I'd have to say I agree with that. I agree with that, right? <laughs> Hold on. Is that actually Louis CK? I don't I think I think so. It's got 600, 616,000 views. That doesn't I, mean I anything. It,
0: what I'm what I'm trying to ascertain is that did you include this? because it actually is Louis CK or did you include this because someone is making fun of Joe Rogan's height and you like those jokes
1: Well Luke it's not a verified account um it's got yeah, 95,000 but- followers I can't confirm it <coughs> okay I just love comedy so much that I thought I'd share his sentiment but we can keep rolling Luke hey we haven't had any good virtual reality fails in a while Hold on
0: and also hold on very quickly the the team wrote to us it's Louis CK or Louis Louis KC no so you still haven't answered my question still haven't answered my question what's yes your or question no. what's your question is it louis ck they go it's louis casey no
1: no the account is at not louis ck this it's got ninety five thousand followers gina Carano's a follower luke and it says everything is amazing and nobody is happy people ask if this is a parody it is i see so okay. either that's a parody luke or he's trying real hard to make it not a parody but it was really about the content of the humor you know I don't right. judge so you the were comedian. doing a, you were
0: doing a Joe Rogan is short bit it was really. I
1: don't judge the comedian done. I just judge the material okay
0: okay fair enough
1: or the size of their fish tank J Aaron <laughs> J.
0: <Aaron's laughs> yeah, speaking of sp- dude fish tank obsessions you know I know Brendan Shaw's got one dude J Aaron do I, what, it, what does it do to middle-aged men where they like all of a sudden like yo I, I'm just I love fish all of a sudden
1: I had a roommate in my 20s who randomly got this massive fish tank and was like, no, chicks love this. And, you know, his track record supports that, but I just don't know if the fish had anything to do with it, Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're weird, you're weird. But I will say that, like, middle-aged white dudes and fish, there's something about that. It pulls a little bit of, like, you know,
1: the like, band like fish. that side of oh,
0: yeah. you that wants romance in your pornography. It's like that. It's like a weird, <laughs> unexpected side, you know?
1: All right. Hey, let's listen to this VR moment. Right finger. Like push your right finger into it. There you go. Okay, when you hike the ball, you gotta you gotta hold the right trigger down. Blue, forty two! Blue, forty two! You gotta hold it, keep it held down. And then (laughs) don't (laughs) move.
0: So do I did have you done VR yet? Uh no. No, I have done. I haven't done like good VR, but I took my daughter to one of these things called like one of these dino exhibits. Oh We've dude, to- I did
1: I did like the arcade VR where you go pay like way too much money and you rent it for an hour and you can and it's like you could jump and dive on the floor and you're like attached to the ceiling, you know? Is that what well, you're talking about?
0: I'm not sure I've seen that, so I don't know, but I took my daughter to one of these dinosaur exhibits where they have all these like, you know, like to scale robotic dinosaurs and she loved yeah. it. It was whatever. But at the end of it, they had a whole section Where you could pay like a little bit extra and you could put on a VR headset and be like in the Cretaceous period or the Jurassic period to go see what it was like. I will tell you, like it does it messed with my balance when I would turn and see a cliff. My body would react to seeing it that way. It was kind of interesting. So all I'm saying is I like watching this uh white guy fail, but um it is they're deceptive, those things.
1: Yeah, I took my kids to the VR arcade Luke. Like I said, you pay like whatever and you rent it for an hour and you're attached to a Bungee cord that's attached to the ceiling, and yeah, there's times when you like dive on the floor just sort of like out of instinct because there's like zombies coming at you. It feels real, Luke. It feels very real. Yeah, I got all su- I got all sweaty doing the Rocky boxing game. Yeah. That's probably not a surprise to you. Hey, let's rotate to MMA fighters in the wild. I love seeing how these people live their lives. Wow. Look at BKFC star Jimmy Rivera,
0: former top police- UFC level bantamweight.
1: Well, obviously, but he passed the uh, the police exam, Luke. He's now officially an arm of the law. Congratulations to old Jimmy.
0: Yeah, major congratulations. That's incredible.
1: Absolutely. And the hammer of the month is Umar Medoff, but this is what he eats, Luke, for his breakfast of champions, Habib Flakes.
0: Junicorn? Apparently. How do you think you junicorn go. tastes?
1: Uh <laughs> Uh, very steel-like and heavy. <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: yeah, I know. It's probably just like eating rocks. They just fucking yeah. got rocks and threw them in there. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, there's an old Nurmagomedov.
1: Uh Luke, uh, two titans, two heavyweights of their respective industries met when real recognized real. How about Ngannou and Cristiano Ronaldo?
0: Right. So do you know where this took place? Uh, outside of the UFC PI? Well, this is why it's interesting, BC. Uh, you got to remember, who did Ronaldo just sign with? He signed with the Saudi Arabian team, Al Nasser, and he lives, uh, I think, in Riyadh or wherever that team is based. Francis visited him as well as some other folks in Saudi Arabia, uh, which is how this all came together. Uh, Obviously, Ronaldo is a fan, whatever. What I'm saying is Big Francis went to Saudi Arabia. Looks to me like Big Francis was doing some business. What kind of business? I don't Mm -hmm. know, but looks to me like he was out there scoping out to see what's up, what he could sniff out, what, what, what might be some... Well, we know there's money there.
1: there. Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury going down there and yep. in the same area there. So we know dude, there's Ronaldo, money.
0: Ronaldo there. Ronaldo has if he if he meets all like the things in his contract, like you know he hits every goal that he's supposed to, whatever he can make 300 million in a year, in a Damn. year.
1: Damn, uh, Luke, our final MMA fighter in the wild. Do You remember friend of the extended program, Brian Boom Kelleher? Did you know he's that he he's the best, has, dude?
0: He's he really I love Boom Kelleher,
1: bro. Boom has bars. Let's hear
0: it. Let's hear it. It's like a mirror when you fear it and your spirit need to cleanse your soul. This shit is toxic when you mix it up like fentanyl. Just start from scratch. You gotta patch it up to mend the hole. There is a fixture if you picture it so plentiful. Yeah, and now my heart is full of gold. Carrots like 24, the purest of them all.
1: Look, he's got a little soul to him, right? Pretty fly for a white guy?
0: Yeah, see, if, if, the, if the challenge was... For me, uh, go to jail for a year or come out as soon as you've got you know 16 bars. I'm taking the year-long jail term in that case. Oh, wow, I don't think I could do that. You know what I'm would saying? Would you be would, interested
1: mm. in a two-fight series, him against Bryce Mitchell, won an MMA match and won a rap battle?
0: I, I'd be interested in one of those. Okay. You can guess which one.
1: All right. Hey, look, you ever see a guy in public wearing a shirt saying the best dad ever and you wondered like where he
0: actually ranks? Yeah, he's probably late on child support.
1: All right. Well, what do you think about this, Dad?
0: Oh, is he gonna punch this kid? Ah, Yikes. yeah. I mean, first of all, let's just let's look at a couple things here. Number one, you know, they're not at the Smithsonian, right? They're. I mean, <laughs> I, I, like BC, my wife and I this weekend we were like, all right, what are we gonna do with our kid? You know, because we were like, what do you want to do for the for the weekend? And we noticed we basically had, we were down to two options. One was, there was a Smithsonian exhibit for the Lunar New Year, the Chinese Chinese New Year. And it was all this arts and crafts and you could see the Chinese dragons. And the other one was a monster truck show. And that would have been real fun. And there's a time and a place for either of them, but I just turned to my wife and I was like, yo, if we take our kid to the monster truck show, instead of the Chinese New Year exhibit at the Smithsonian. I think that says a lot about us as parents. I don't think yeah, we want to Yeah, you might as that. well just take her to the next Power Slap competition. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't. We, we didn't end up doing that. So first of all, you're there. Second, that, that, look at where this guy is at. He's at some fair. Which, again, they have their time and place, but I'm just pointing it out. Number one. Put, throw the thing back up here. Throw, throw it back up here. Two, I want you to look at the men's adult uh, shorts that this kid is wearing. Like... The kid is clearly wearing his dad's pants. Why are your shorts down to your, your Achilles uh Maybe that's uh, like the,
1: the new skater look, Luke. That was a thing back in the late 80s. Yeah, that,
0: if right? we were in 1998, I might agree with you, but it's 2023, and that is no longer the case. and hasn't been for quite some time. So all that's right. that. Now, dad whips around the right hook all the way to the child who now is traumatized by all of this because he didn't realize that there's a, you know, a clear birth you're supposed to give. Any All we needed of.
1: was an affliction t-shirt and this would have been the perfect clip, Luke. But let's yeah, keep no, it going. he needs here. a hat
0: that says "Wino Dynamo 69" him is really <laughs> <I was like. laughs>
1: Do you ever hear the phrase "shit happens," Luke? Check out this guy's dungarees. Yeah, he drew a crowd.
0: I don't know what to say about this clip that well, Okay, what are why are you digging? The way you're digging, sir. <laughs>
1: Look, he may have had an accident, but, you know, these guys, the Paw Patrol is not going to keep that accident quiet. I'll tell you that much, you know?
0: I got to tell you, the Paw, I I mean, did this guy put, you know, uh, greenies up in his, uh, up in his, you know what I'm saying? Like that back area in the back door?
1: Yeah. You know, my dog, Molly, Luke, the most amazing animal of all time. When we get people that come over and maybe one day it could be LT and CT and you can come meet her. Dude, she'll go right for your asshole or your ball bag.
0: I mean, she's just that means you're a bad owner. I just want you to know that
1: you mean I don't you're trying to say I don't discipline her enough to stay out of your
0: dog is if your dog first thing goes up to people who walk in and start sniffing their balls and ass you have improperly trained that dog just being very clear she sleeps in her own bed though Luke okay I'm not saying she's not a great dog dude the fact that she sniffs everyone's balls and ass is your fault not hers. Well, That's a. I mean, she's she's a dog. That's what they she's do. She's got a you know?
1: specific. Yeah, she 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 really focuses in on those parts. You know. All right, let's get out of that. Do you
0: also sniff your guest ball, ball and ass when they come through your front door.
1: Hey, dude, I thought this was like an enhanced video from UFC 283. People are telling me this is real.
0: It's real. Good lord! It got trapped in his hair, which I guess was hard to see without the water. But once they pour it in there, it comes right out. Shout out to Jamal Hill, your new light
1: heavyweight champion of the world. Hey, look, if Jan 6 was a person, I think I found him.
0: If it has tits or tires, I can make it squeal. Wow.
1: (laughs) Dude, look at the, first of all, look at the piece on him, then the Harley Davidson belt, and then the haircut that makes him look like the guy from Goonies, Sloth, you know?
0: You know, know what? this guy just screams book reader.
1: Yeah, I would say that. All right, enough of these clowns, Luke. It's time to rate that tat. You know you get fired up for this. Dude, how about Charles Oliveira? Him and his Brazilian artist, William Esposito, have continued the back and arms. What do you think about this?
0: Um, As you know, so this is a tattoo, by the way. Look at the belt line. Do you think it looks cool? I think it looks weird on the body if it stops at the belt line. It looks good when you have pants on or whatever. Okay, but... but-
1: it- how many people are going to be that intimate with Charles Oliveira that they're going to see the full-on it's, ass? Uh, it's
0: like, just weird when you see it uh, again. I'm never. I, hopefully, I'm never going to see. His you're right because the opposite is
1: not weird at all, dude. Not weird at all to see. No, Andrew no, no. It's,
0: it's weird either way, but it's at least more artistically consistent. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um, it's hard to tell because it's fresh and it will lighten up a little bit. Because I would say it looks a little dark, but in general, it appears to be pretty good I, it's hard to tell from the photo that i'm looking at here and i have to go look at it in close detail but uh it looks to be decent it looks to be decent all
1: right hey check out this ufc fan rate this tad a midriff tat of tai tuivasa
0: um not bad right not bad not not a bad tattoo at all in terms of like tattoo application the hair makes them look a little big footish, right True. You're talking about Bigfoot Silva? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Bigfoot Silva. Uh huh. But in general, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. Not great, but good.
1: Well, good connective tissue there because here's Bigfoot Silva's new tattoo celebrating his marriage.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not really a fan of this. I don't think they come out very good. It's, they're really hard to do well. He looks handsome in that photo. He does, which is part of the idea. Um, And again, you see how it's got that purplish, almost brownish hue. That tells you it's brand new, obviously. Uh, But yeah, I just, dude, to do portrait realism correctly, there's like 10 people who can do that very well. If you don't pick one of them, it's going to come out fine, but just not great.
1: Well, one of those 10, Luke, has blessed a lucky UFC fan with a tattoo of Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. You talk about great portraits, Luke. Check this out. (laughs)
0: yeah no he looks like mike from breaking bad dude he looks like
1: volkanovsky at age 70
0: yeah my man's got some todays um yeah no not a great tattoo Mm -mm. all right all right uh hey let's do a throwback
1: local news No,
0: stop 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 you know who he looks like have you seen sin city with bruce willis and all that
1: no i'm a big color of night fan with bruce willis
0: You've never seen Sin City. It's a. It's a. Initially, it was a. It was a dark novel, or a, what do you want to call it? Um, no. Frank Miller, I think, wrote them. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it, it's adapted from like a comic book that's essentially a novel, and they made a movie out of it. There's a character who's yellow, who was like the son of one of the rich, corrupt people in the city. He looks like him in this tattoo. Yeah, it's a terrible tattoo. Well, not hey, it looks terrible, like an old bad.
1: boxing cup man or something. It's just not good. Hey, remember that time the Astros won it all? Here's a throwback local news segment that I can't stop loving. Exactly. hey what do you have to say to the everyone who still considers the astros cheaters
0: Fuck y'all. Well,
1: all right no no sorry guys did not mean to do that it is live television anything you can to have <laughs> luke what would you have to say to all those who called the astros
0: cheaters yeah they are cheaters that's that was the year the nats beat them too by the way when they were banging on the trash cans and everything Yo, yeah f- yeah the Astros can get bent and all their fans can get bent too. They're a good team, but they're definitely cheaters. Like no doubt. Uh, about
1: shout it. out to that guy for a great moment on local live TV. Hey, you know that state that, that saying that the University of Kansas has rock hard Jayhawk Luke or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch this.
0: Sitting you watching the KU game. Well, that young lady in the back is really making my dad proud. It's like, Dad, did you did you give her enough hugs? I'm not sure that you Maybe did.
1: she's just a big fan of like Dick Van Dyke, Luke, you know? I mean, he had some some hits, right? You know, you're talking about Mary Poppins.
0: Can you imagine like just watching TV? It's like, yeah, let's turn on the Jayhawks game and then you see your loved one on there with a shirt that says I love Dick. All right. Hey, soccer fan of the week, this is this is what
1: you call keeping your eye on the ball.
0: Oh, is this dude about to get murdered? Bah! Gosh. Wake up. Wake don't up. let me be the Wake last up. to Wake know. Up. It's yeah. the first of the month. Get yep. up. Get up. Get up. Wake up. Why don't you put on a little makeup?
1: That was a uh, shout out to Armenians, Luke.
0: It's the system of a down, yeah. Yeah.
1: Produced by Rick Rubin. Shout out to that. Finally, Luke, uh, we got people in public that you probably won't love, but this is what happens in life.
0: okay all right um
1: <laughs> i mean do you do you give him any respect for the hygiene
0: i don't understand which farmer put dungarees on a barn animal all right they did but they there did, but there, they it did. there it uh, is this this gentleman should be at a bare minimum uh castrated uh, right or at a bare just, minimum
1: <laughs> he will fit in well on the new york city subway system look he I would fit that. he
0: is the new york city subway and uh, listen, I don't wish death on a lot of people and I'm not yeah. going to wish death on him, but I'm just saying if something bad happened to him, I wouldn't necessarily feel all that bad about it. You know?
1: Well, that's the shit of the week. Shout out to the great Gaffney Pierre for sorting all that shit out. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Wow. Two, two hours. Look on it. You know, on a Monday, we really drive it home. You know
0: what I mean? We really, we really do. Uh, let's remind folks. We're trying to pack the house with the, all the seats that we can. It's not this Wednesday, but it's the following, February 8th, King's Place. Come check us out, pod-live.com in London, England. It's going to be a ton of fun. Come check us out there. Please be so kind as to do that. Tell your friends. Dan Hardy is going to be with us as well. Showtime.com is the label that pays. 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. You can see the merch there as well. They kind of got all over the place. Um, Merch, morningcombat.store. We've got some teas for the London show and the London, uh, well, B.C. is more than really a London show. It's a London trip, and we've got a yeah, lot of is. stuff we're doing while we're there.
1: The trip of a lifetime will be, uh, we got a couple of media stops planned. We're going to be doing some room service diaries, interview, filling, filming a documentary. I mean, this is it. This is peak, you know, hanging out with our fans, Luke, during the live show and afterwards, maybe, maybe
0: maybe we'll see we shall see if
1: if we have enough security if tristan can throw some bodies around but look i was told here on twitter by admiral anthony that there was a london edition of grand theft auto on playstation one and he Mm. shared a picture of his of his uh case to show me so right now morningcombat.store of course you can get your mk in the uk t-shirts also our grand theft auto version uh of the greatest moments in MK history on there so check that out Morningcombat.store. our new mer our new merch is just hog wild that's fantastic I can't it know, certainly
0: is it certainly is uh all right so thank you to everyone who watched we're back on Wednesday and uh that's it for us so for Brian oh, yeah Campbell- one more
1: thing Luke you blew me off earlier for breaking Sorry. news but dude I chatted up Mahmoud Abdul Rauf you know what I mean my man from the uh oh yeah you know, social activist, uh great NBA player and of course the subject of this Friday, February 3rd on Showtime the premiere of the documentary Stand. I got a chance to screen it, Luke. It is fantastic in all the great. categories you would hope it would be. We talk 90s NBA, we talk about all the the incredible things he stood for and the and the, you know, and everything being blackballed out of the NBA, all that good stuff. So check it out this week, folks.
0: Very good. There you have it. All right, so for Brian Campbell, For me, for Malka, CBS Sports and Showtime, this has been Morning Combat. Back at you again on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.